Today's very special episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Having a high sports IQ is important, as we find out every year during the NBA draft. If your GM doesn't know what he's doing, you are screwed. When it comes to hiring, you actually don't need a high hiring IQ. You just need ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, whatever, you know what to do. Just use promo code BS. I might be doing this on Friday. My son's going to be in Boston and wants to go to a Red Sox game with his grandfather. I looked at SeatGeek. There's just green circles everywhere. Apparently, nobody's going to Red Sox games anymore. My listeners can check it out. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Wanted to tell you about Binge Mode Harry Potter. It launched last week. Huge success. I think they are up to six episodes. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't watch Harry Potter, but it sounds fantastic. Mallory and Jason are into it. The audience likes it. Check that out. Binge Mode Harry Potter. Also, the Ringers' excellent NBA draft coverage. All week we are having stuff. We have the Ringers' NBA draft guide presented by State Farm, and we will be upping that. Mock drafts. We're, we might do a mock draft every hour. We just we, we just keep doing them. 7.0, 8.0, 9.0, 10.0. This is going to be a fun one because there's going to be trades. We will be there. When there's trades, we will have reactions. Kevin O'Connor, Jonathan Charks, Danny Chow, Mark Titus, Haley O'Shaughnessy, all of our NBA dudes and ladies. They're all ready. They're ready to roll. We're ready for weirdness. Last but not least, courtside at the NBA Finals on HBO. The final show that uh, I executive produced, it's Tuesday, 9 p.m. with a re-air at 11 p.m. on HBO. We'll talk about that during this show too, but set your DVRs. You miss basketball. This will be good. You get to relive the finals, and HBO is really good at what they do. Check this out. Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, courtside. All right, coming up, we are going to rip through a mock draft with a variety of ringer people. It's going to be fun. First, Pearl Jam. All right, it's time for the ringer. Mega mock lottery draft. We are hitting the first 14 picks. We have people calling in as in the, as if they are the GMs. They already know who they're going to pick. We did this yesterday. So we're going to call or they're going to come in and walk into the office. Everybody has about five minutes to explain their pick and shoot the shit with me. We have Phoenix on the clock at number one. Jonathan Charks is going to come on. Now, we made him take DeAndre Ayton because one of the things I hate when people do this is they think to themselves... All right. Oh, I'm a, yeah. No, nah, actually, I'm going to take Luka Doncic here. And then you end up with this whole draft that isn't actually how it's going to play out. In this case, we know Aiden is going to go first to the Suns unless he robs a gas station or something in the next 24 hours, which I don't think he will. I think he's going number one. After that, there's a lot of good stuff in play. And I love this draft because, first of all, we have a bunch of dumb teams in the top, top eight, top nine. Sacramento, they love to screw up. Atlanta, they just hired a new GM. Memphis has been just a train wreck for the last 10 years of transactions and has somehow succeeded despite themselves. Dallas has not really made a good move in six years. Orlando 
is kind of the NBA's secret train wreck. Chicago's all over the map. Cleveland, who the hell knows? They're at number eight, whether they're picking for next year to compete or they're picking because they think LeBron's leaving. Then you have the Knicks at nine. I mean, they're the Knicks. What what else can you say? They took Frank Nidalinka over Donovan Mitchell last year. Philly's at 10. They don't have a GM. Their coach is running their draft, which is always a recipe for disaster. Charlotte's at 11. They have been uh, one of the most incompetent teams for the last 10 years. And then you have the Clippers at 12 and 13. Anything is possible. They're the Clippers. They are the most uh, tortured franchise we probably have, or at least the league's black sheep. And then finally, 14, Denver. Pretty boring. Blah. They'll just take whoever the best one is left. So we're going to call Jonathan Charks first. He is going to talk about DeAndre Ayton, and then we are off the Ringers mock draft. Here we go. All right, the Ringers, Jonathan Sharks on the line. He's picking for Phoenix. We made him take DeAndre Ayton because we all agree there's no way he's not going first, right? That certainly sounds like it. Everyone seems to think it's going to happen. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with DeAndre Ayton going first? I mean, I wouldn't take him one, but I get why they're doing it. Like, I could look very dumb in a few years not not loving this guy. I mean, he's got all the tools, obviously. The tool that he doesn't have seems to be consistent hard work, which is a red flag. It always makes me nervous, right? I would just say defensive IQ is not always there. Like, he's going to be the five, and he has a long way to go in terms of protecting the rim, reading the floor, and just, like, really putting in effort on defense in general. What uh, player does he remind you of? What current NBA player? Is there one? Boogie Cousins. Oh, wow. That's loaded. Yeah, for good and bad. Like, I feel like the Andre, it's like, imagine if Andre Drummond had a post game and a three-point shot. It's a great player, but how is that going to work on a team? I don't know. Yeah. So you would take Luka Doncic with this pick? If I didn't take Luka, I would take Jaron Jackson. I don't even care. I think he's better than Aiden. But that's just me. That's like, obviously, I'm just a, I'm just a guy. Everybody likes Aiden. He could be really good. He's got all the tools, so... Jaron Jackson, so he's not even 19 yet. Yeah. I think he's 18.7. One of the things I like about this year, and I don't know when it started, but everybody started using decimal points for age, which is pretty cool. (laughs) I I am now apparently uh, 48.6. I'm fine with we want to go to decimals. It's cool. I remember when I was a kid being half a year old. I get that. 12 and a half. It's a big difference. So he's not even 19 yet, Jackson. And I do think, like, I've been thinking about the Clippers and whether it made sense for them to trade up. It certainly seems like they want to get into the top four somehow to get a chance at Doncic or whoever they're looking at. I think after the top three, if the top three is eight and Doncic and Jackson in some order, I don't think there's anyone else I would trade up those two picks for. Is there any other player you think is worth 12 and 13, especially when guys can drop down? No, I don't think so. I think Bagley in the right situation could be like if you have a Marcus Saul and Bagley can play, you know, not protect the rim and be the four and be the five on offense. I think he'd be great. But other than that, I don't think so. I think those three are kind of above the trading up. So you think if if Phoenix shocked everyone and took Jackson at number one, you'd be okay with that? I would. They won't do that. But I'm a, I'm I'm a blogger, right? I'm a, it's not my job on the line. <laughs> it does seem like Jackson's very Al Horfordy. <laughs> And yeah, I would say like, to me, the thing is like, I want my five to be a great shooter and a great defensive player. And I feel like that's what he has of the other fives. Whereas like Aiden, he's a post guy. Like he's a great post scorer. That's great. I guess. Mm. There's so much old school, like DNA in this draft of 
take take this tantalizing center who probably isn't going to make it. We've seen that guy. I mean, not, not, I shouldn't say probably isn't going to make it, but probably he's going to make it as the superstar you think he's going to be as the number one pick. We've seen this guy before. Like, there's a version of him that's Joe Barry Carroll forty years from forty years ago, where it's like, oh yeah, he's got all the tools. The only thing is, is not not sure about his defensive IQ and how hard he's going to work. And then I think it helps too, though, in Phoenix playing with Jackson and Booker. That'll make his life a lot easier on offense, at least. And there's a chance. If you put him in a good situation, maybe the upside for him is is a little better than like what Boogie had to deal with in Sacramento, right? Like if you put nineteen, yeah, this is a great spot for him. Yeah, if you put nineteen year old Boogie on this team, maybe his whole career goes goes a little differently compared to how it went. I do feel like, you know, we we never think about that enough with lottery picks and where they go, and then when we say after like. Oh, that guy was a bust, or oh, I can't believe they took that guy. A big part of it is where they go. Like Tatum went to Boston yeah. last year. That was the greatest possible situation you could have ever gone into if you're Jason Tatum, where you have yeah people who can shoot for I you think- and take the offensive load off you. He got all these playoff reps. Like that's like a hundred percent of a win versus what Lonzo Ball had to deal with last year. Yeah, I think the big key for Phoenix is what happens at the four position. Do you play Josh Jackson there? Like, are you dumping Chris and Bender? Do you want to get like a veteran that could help help, help uh, Aiden out? I think who they get at four will be very important for them this year and going forward. Well, maybe where the league's going, Josh Jackson is, I, I wouldn't say it's a four, it's like a three and a half, but it seems like there's a lot of three yeah. and a halves out there now, right? Yeah, it's like, you look at like Minnesota, they brought in Taj Gibson to help Cat on defense, but then it kind of hurt Cat on offense because Gibson can't spread the floor. So can they find that guy who, helps, who makes Aiden a better defensive player and still gives him room on offense to score? Hey, last question before you go. Uh, Dallas at five, your team, you're there. If who who are you hoping drops to number five? I'm hoping Jaron goes or Luca, but that probably is not going to happen. Yeah, it seems like I'd I'd find I'd be really surprised if the top four was an eight and Doncic, Jackson. Marvin Bagley in some order. That's what I'm thinking too. And I think that the draft really falls off after that, which is like, oh man, it's a bummer. Well, not, not for Kevin O'Page views. He, he likes, he likes Bamba. He's all in. They, they, they force fed the Kool-Aid down his throat when he was at those workouts. <laughs> he's, he's ready. He's watching hey, those contested out. threes. Uh, well, the thing is, here's why we love the draft. Sacramento could totally take Marvin Bagley at number two. And then this whole then this whole chain events of just uh disaster. We're we're gonna talk about that with Riley McAtee right now. Uh Charks, as always, a pleasure. Read you on the Ringer NBA draft guide and uh and listen to you on the Ringer NBA show. You're you're coming into LA, right? Yeah, I'll be in uh tomorrow. All right. All right. Looking forward right, to thanks seeing Thanks for having you. me on. All right, picking number two, Riley McAtee, old Grantland teammate, original ringer teammate. It's been the year of Riley. Uh, it's the Rams. The Rams like are good again. The Rams are, are good. The yeah. Kings are back. Maybe. Maybe. We'll kind see. of. You're in the power seat at number two. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the seat where we get to decide what happens, at least with the rest of the draft. But the scary part is you're in the seat where you get to decide what happens, and it's the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. That, that part, it felt like it was going to be easy because it seemed like Phoenix was just going to make the choice for us. And now it's like, oh, no. Right. No, not at all. There's Marvin Bagley rumors. Uh, there's Michael Porter rumors. <laughs> oh, and oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, but they there was an Instagram photo with Vivek's son. Yeah, 
There was. With Doncic. Who is the one you want, right? You want Doncic? I want Doncic, 100%. I'm taking Doncic at two if it's me. Um, but yeah, that photo is from like June 5th or 6th, but he put it up there recently. And hmm. we just trying we to mess with the Kane fans? Well, we didn't know that they had all met. We didn't know that Vladi and Vivek and Doncic had met in Spain at that time. And so now it's like, oh, they got dinner together and they kept that under wraps. That's interesting. I tweeted yesterday, somebody posted video, Doncic won another tournament this weekend. Yeah. And he had a good game and, you know, typical did all this stuff. He, he looks like, at least in the DNA vicinity of Harden and Ginobili, some of the stuff he does. He's taller, so it's hard. It's harder to yeah. kind of compare the all three of those. But that's what how he plays, and he's very herky jerky, and he's always in control, and he's already a great passer. He's a step back three, and I I think I would take him first a hundred times out of a hundred. He's also like the Kings. If you think of him on the Kings. They've never really had a great, great player like that except for C-Web. Boogie was stats great, but he wasn't great. No, he was... Yeah, it, it felt like at times that Boogie was putting up empty stats. I don't think that Doncic yeah. does that. He's special. He is just a playmaker. He's so creative. He's so skilled. And I get that it's like maybe the wow factor of like athleticism isn't quite there like it is with some of these other guys. Yeah. But well, you just 18. watch him create. And it's like, man, that guy just creates offense. He makes things happen. As as a fan of the team that owns your pick next year, <laughs> I don't want you to take him. You want us to take like Jaron Jackson or Michael Porter. No, Maybe I want you to take Michael Porter. Yeah, yeah, I want you to take Michael Porter and then he has like a herniated disc. Oh, God. We have the Celtics have it unless it's number one and then Philly gets it. Yeah. But I, I do believe that if Doncic went there, I, I think he could be worth like 12 wins. I wonder about the Fox thing with him and Fox and who has the ball. I haven't yeah. seen enough of him in Europe to know if like they have a traditional point guard on that team too. And But it does seem like he could play anywhere. That's the one argument I do see for not taking Doncic is that I think if you take him, you want him to have the ball. And if yeah. he has the ball, then it's like, what is De'Aaron Fox doing on the court? A guy who's not a shooter and not like a true impact defender. But it's That's a good problem like, to have though. But it's like you just take the most talented guy, right? Like the Kings don't have enough talent to be like, oh, well, we're going to draft for fit now. You just need to get the best person and then you'll yeah. worry about the fit with Fox and Doncic later. We saw Cleveland make this mistake in 2014. They had Kyrie and they had Dan Waiters and then they had the number one pick and they should have taken Oladipo. It was the safest pick, but it was like, well, we already yeah. have Dan Waiters. And it's like, yeah, he's better than Dan Waiters. Make Dan Waiters your sixth man. I was saying this on TV and people were like, you're... You're killing the Cavs. Like, no, Old Devo's better than Dan Waiters. Sorry. Do you know who didn't make that mistake? Overthinking fit? The Sixers. They took all those centers. They took Noel. And then they took Embiid in like the very next draft. Yeah. And it was like... But unfortunately, they, then they did take Okafor. Too. Yeah, they took Okafor then. But that one was a mistake. But it's like the idea of just taking the number one guy, the best guy, regardless of position, and eventually waiting until you hit a superstar is the right move. Yeah. Especially... I've always wanted the NFL to do this. I would just take a quarterback every year until I ended up with a good one. Yeah. No other position matters. Yeah. But Boston did this with Tatum. Like the f the quote unquote fit last year might not have been him, but their thinking was six, eight guys in the perimeter, interchangeable. All of them can shoot. Yeah. In this case, like you take them, you see if it works. And if it doesn't, I really like De'Aaron Fox. And I think he has trade value. I, I told you what I would do. I would trade him for the sixth pick. Yeah, I floated that to Kevin Clark, actually. And he was like, I'd rather have Trey Young. And I was like, wow, I think you're crazy. Well, Kevin's coming on later. And 
unfortunately, it's going to be one of the three greatest moments of his life as a Magic fan, just picking <laughs> Trey Young in a mock draft. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so if you get Doncic, he comes in. It, this doesn't open the door now for the Kings to be like, let's win now. Let's make another dumb free agent signing of a veteran guy who's going to be unhappy four months from now. They're not going to do that, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be totally opposed to them doing that just because they don't have the 2019 pick. So it's sort of like, as long as you're not getting them on crazy long deals that are going to look really bad in 2020, it's like, why not? We have no pick next year. We might as well just gun for the eighth seed and lose in four games to the Warriors, but at least that'll be a fun series going back and forth down I-80. Like, well, But that was the case to trade for Kawhi, right? Yeah, well, okay, but that's different because then you're giving up the number two pick and you're giving up like long-term future assets. If we're just signing guys to contracts and free agency, whatever, who cares? Yeah, but I think, I'm I'm thinking, I wouldn't do this, by the way. I think this is absolutely idiotic. But if they traded two for Kawhi, yeah. they did the one-year all-in flyer on him and they still controlled like whatever his max contract stuff is. So at least maybe you could trade him or whatever, try to talk him into being the star. The, the reason I wouldn't do it is I'm not sure he wants to be the star. I think he wants to be on a super team where he doesn't have to deal with all the being the star stuff is my my random psycho- psychological take. I wouldn't do it either, but I wouldn't do it just because I think there's no way he resigns. I think he's just Probably gone not. after one year and it's like, wow, why'd we do that? <laughs> I'm going to ask you a very tough question. The Kings could do that though, right? It would be a very yeah. King's move to be like, we've got Kawhi Leonard. It's great. He's going to resign here. <laughs> and then you trade the Dodgich pick. There's, and yeah. I could totally see them doing that. There's nothing. Sometimes you got to take a risk. I could see Vivek. Like I could see the press conference. Totally. Yeah. I mean, hey, we'd have one season where we'd have a true superstar. But we went 44 that, and 38. Uh, oh, wait. He left. Yeah. Uh, I just take Doncic. This isn't hard. Agreed. It really isn't. I th- I could see them taking Bagley though. He feels like a very kind of over the decades kind of Kings player. I was like, oh, it's 28 points last night, but we lost. I've tried so hard to talk myself into Marvin Bagley, just mentally preparing for that pick, and I can't do it. I'm like, uh, he's going to be a 20 and 10 guy, but we're going to win like 35 games every year with him. Very Kings-ish. Titus loves him. Yeah, I know. I read that piece and I came away and I was like, I still can't get my mind off of Luka Doncic. Worst case scenario is Porter, just because he has the highest injury risk potential by far. Porter at two is wild. You have to, if you want Porter, you've got to trade down and get something yeah. else. He's got a bad back. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what the trade down is, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's available, but then it's just still like, man, you're passing on so many other guys who are healthy, who can play basketball right now. Well, I wonder if they could go two to seven and then flip. 12 and 13 for seven flip seven or for 12 and 13 two to 12 maybe there's something where they end up with like seven and 13 for two yeah or i don't know yeah i've come up do. with so many fake trades for this that i i can't figure out what the hell's going on i yeah. love the fact that sacramento is in the power seat though from yeah. a comedy standpoint it's magnificent but if this works out you have the rams as super bowl favorite Doncic. um anything else going on sports wise for you that's really it. It'd be those two. Yeah. Cal football is not doing anything right now. So just so people know out there, Riley, probably the most tortured sports fan we have at the ringer. Yeah. Not a lot of highlights. The Rams making the playoffs was your number one highlight since I've known you. And I've been a fan of them since they moved to Los Angeles. So that's <laughs> two years now. <laughs> two long years. <laughs> All right. Good luck with Doncic. Thank you.
All right, number three, Danny Chow, the ringer's number one uh, foodie, as well as uh, as the last remaining Dante Exum fan. <laughs> Come on. You don't really have, who's your NBA team though? You don't really have one. I, I've never had one. You've been agnostic. Is that the right word? Athe- NBA yeah. atheist? I, sure. Agnostic is probably the, the term here. Well, we gave you Atlanta for number three because mm-hmm. uh, we needed to get you in this mock draft. And remember, Brown doesn't know enough about the NBA draft. Off the board is Aiton and Doncic. Riley took Doncic with his fingers crossed, hoping the Kings would listen mm-hmm. to him. And now at number three, Atlanta, who do you take? Jaron Jackson Jr. Do you think he should be the number one pick in this draft? I So there's a growing suspicion over the last couple of days that I think he might be the best player in this draft. Like I think he has real potential to be the best player in this draft. You, you look at this Hawks team, which is kind of building itself as this team of the future. You know, they have Travis Schlank, who's been with the Warriors for forever. He's yeah. the guy who, you know, they credit as the guy who found Draymond Green. Yeah. They got Lloyd Pierce, the defensive coordinator for the Sixers last year. This is where you get your three and D big man. The, the most, the rarest commodity in the NBA right now. He's, would you say he's Horford 2.0? I think he has, he's got he's tall, right? I think he has that potential. He's 6'11, 7'5 wingspan, can switch out on the perimeter. He's probably as good as at guarding guards as he is rim at rim protection. And I think he's the best rim protector in this draft. It does seem like he translates the most to the basketball that we watch. Yeah. Because when I when I go to the finals, I'm always trying to figure out which players could be in the game I'm watching. And he is somebody like there's just no way if you have somebody who can shoot threes on one end, guard bigs on the other end, that's kind of kind of the jackpot. Right. And it doesn't seem like Aiton can do that. Aiton is this old school big man that he, the success rate of those guys has been pretty hit or miss. So Aiton has been talking up the fact that, oh, he was playing out of position at Arizona. He played right next to a center. He had to switch out on the perimeter, but there wasn't a lot of space for him to actually do what he can do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you saw with Jaron Jackson, he kind of had the same situation. He was playing next to a center. He was playing next to another, you know, lottery guy in Miles Bridges. He found a way to make it work. Right. Um, yeah. And he's one of the youngest guys in the lottery. He's I, 18.7 years it's old. It's just, it's incredible. How many, what's your decimal point age? I turn 27 in November. So, so you're 26.6? Something like that. Isaac, what are you? I'm 23.7. I love this Unreal. new Despo thing. <laughs> I, did we start it or did somebody else no, start no, it? No, this is definitely a Draft Express thing. Uh, we can't take credit for yeah, it? No. Damn it. Yeah. I really like the Despo. Gavoni was on this for, for a while. Now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Gavoni. Uh, so Atlanta, Jaron Jackson, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, who knows how long he's there? Who loves? Well, yeah. how are you trading a point guard that makes $18 million a year true. when everybody has a point guard? That's true. And then- uh, John Collins. John Collins, who we like. That's a that's an interesting front court. Very athletic. Jaron Jackson kind of covers for a lot of what Collins. I actually can't do, do like that, but I do yeah. like that front court. It's fun and it's exciting. Yeah. The one thing with Jaron Jackson, you worry about his shot. Like he shot 40% from three in college, but his form is a little bit wonky, a little bit unorthodox. Um he just kind of needs the reps. But from what I've seen, his touch is is awesome. So I, I'm not too worried about it. But if there's one thing you can like really maybe poke a hole in, it's like, well, his shot was good for college. You don't know how it's going to be in the pros. Yeah, the 40% college thing, I never get too carried away with right. that because that's such a small sample size. It could be like 41 for 102. Mm-hmm. 
Meanwhile, like if he missed three shots, now it's 38, you know? Yeah. But it, at least he makes them. I right. mean, you you want to know he's in the vicinity. And it seems like he's a good character guy too. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I was picking one, I, I don't know what I would do if I was Phoenix, because it really does seem like this is the kind of guy you'd want. Yeah. I, I but was, then if you put the number one bullseye on him, then it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they took him one. And now right. there's all these pressures in. This scenario is the best scenario for him. He goes to Atlanta, he's third, he's under the radar. They're going to suck for three more years. Mm-hmm. And he'll just kind of get his reps. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to Suns fans and they're just like, we're cursed. This this number one pick, it's either, it's a no-brainer or it's a toss-up. And I feel like in this year, it's a toss-up. But you would take Luca first, right? I would take Luca first. So our entire staff would take Luca first. <laughs> it's a really, that's yeah. all of us. Mm-hmm. KOC seems like he is probably the most bullish on Jackson going first. You're probably number two. Really? I, I thought Sharks would have been. I feel like Sharks has been our, our Jaron Jackson zealot for, for the entire year. Sharks, like, Sharks is in yeah. on Luca. it sounded like. What, yeah. Is that what he said, Isaac? He is, but he is in on Jackson. He'd be he, okay with Jackson one, Yeah, too. he's been saying that Jackson would probably be the best big in the draft yeah. since like, I don't know, since February. Yeah. yeah. It does seem like after this pick, it drops off. We have like the three short things, basically. Everyone right. was saying it was t- it, the tiers. It was like Doncic, Ayton in the top tier. But now it seems like Jackson's drifted mm-hmm. into that top tier and we have a three-person tier. Yeah, it's just he fits so much with everything that we're we're seeing and everything that we're going to see in the next three years in the NBA, it's really easy to project him as a guy who makes a huge difference on any team he plays on. Jaron Jackson Sr.? I remember him from his Spurs days, but... Uh, so that's the dad, right? Yeah. Yep. It's kind of amazing. Yep. So yeah, that, I mean, that's why I actually think his shot might translate because Jaron Jackson Sr. was a clutch shot maker for the Spurs. Yeah. So... I also, I like that too. I like the son of an athlete. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen over and over again. Like, but I talked about that with Donovan Mitchell on the pod a couple weeks ago about these guys that these kids are around locker rooms and they're right. just kind of used to the life. They're not surprised by stuff. They have a parent telling yeah. them, don't do this, don't do that. Just the adjustment things better. Uh, give me your biggest food recommendation right now. Ooh. I, so yesterday, Father's Day, my brother made an amazing. Uh, tomahawk ribeye chop. Oh, tomahawk. So you're yeah. number one for tomahawk now? Um, actually, no. He he. So he had a ribeye cap, which is uh, arguably a more beefy cut. Yeah. Than the tomahawk. The tomahawk's really just you know. Yeah. For show, it's beautiful. It looks amazing. You could kind of wield it as an axe, but uh, yeah. My brother had a couple steaks out there. It was delicious. Sous vide. You know. The tomahawk. Tomahawk's yeah. gaining steam. All right, Danny Chow. Always a pleasure. Write Absolutely. some food columns, please. Uh, once yeah, we get through the once, draft, write about food. Once we, once we force get you to this. do it. Sure. Right. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Quick break to talk about Burrow. I have good news. Burrow has reinvented the luxury couch. From style to shipping, Burrow's put the time and thought into furniture buying so you do not have to. Customize your Burrow sofa to fit your personality by selecting the color, size, armrest height. That's perfect for you. It's super comfortable, adaptable. If your space changes, the modular design allows it to move and grow with you. It assembles and disassembles in just minutes. No tools required. Perfect if you ever have to move. With stain-resistant fabric and a built-in USB charger, Burrow has the durability and functionality to keep up with your hectic life. All Burrow furniture ship fast, shipping free. Enjoy 30 days of cozy on your Burrow risk-free or try out Burrow at one of their showrooms today. 
They actually sent us some, and it was just in time because we got a couple new ringer offices, and you know what we needed? Couches. Nice couches. So thank you, Burrow. For $75 off your order, visit burrow.com slash BS. That is B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash BS for $75 off your purchase. Back to the mock draft. All right, on the line from Memphis, Chris Vernon. He hosts the Tuesday NBA podcast that we have in the Ringer NBA show with Kevin O'Page Views. Chris Vernon, Memphis, it looks like it's a top three draft and then it drops off and Memphis has the fourth pick. What are you rooting for to happen as you look at this? I'm rooting for Marvin Bagley to be available at four. Okay. Explain yourself. He's the best player in the draft. Whoa. I don't know what people I don't I don't know what people need to see. This guy was getting like thirty and twenty against Virginia. There's like teams that couldn't get thirty points against Virginia. Like what when at what point in his life have you ever watched a basketball game that featured Marvin Bagley? and did not think that's the best guy on the court. That's happened since he was like 10 years old. So I, I honestly have no idea what everybody is watching. Wow. You came in hot. I like this. So the rap, <laughs> the rap on Bagley is uh, can't play defense. Yeah, that's the rap on James Harden and the rap on Steph Curry and the rap on like Damian Lillard and like almost every awesome player in the league outside of Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and a, a handful of others. I'm, I'm, I'm unconcerned with that. Uh, and then, by the way, uh, one of my favorite players of all time and a guy that is going to have a statue in front of FedEx Forum is Zach Randolph. So please don't tell me about <laughs> throwing a guy in a pick and roll. If my guy can get me 25 and 18, I can live with the fact that... And I, and I think, honestly, his defensive missteps are overrated played with like five freshmen they played zone all the time and people blame it because it was playing marvin bagley for him having to go to zone i think that's goofy he plays with a motor and he's not a, and, and and you get a coach that can coach him up i don't think he is an unwilling defender and he's certainly not athletically deficient i can fix that so we just watched the finals i always like to project these guys in the finals i just watched i could see him on the calves right he could have played there. He would have been the other forward with Kevin Love and LeBron getting points, probably getting burned on defense like everybody else. Where does he play on the Warriors? Could you see him in the Jordan Bell spot? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yes, he could play either. Because the other thing is, the last line of defense is what? Getting the rebound, right? You get a stop, you get the rebound. And this guy, and in fact, uh, you, you see... If you can grab rebounds every single game that you play, right? Like that's the other thing about the whole defensive knock. I don't think there is a team in the world that Marvin Bagley can't get minutes for. You know, I listened to your uh, your Kyrie podcast, and I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about Bagley the other day because in the midst of that, you know, Coach K said he's been at Duke thirty eight years, and I've had one other guy like like uh, Bagley, and it was Kyrie. And he only got to play oh, eight wow. games. Yeah, so so I don't I don't think Coach K's putting his name to that. He's had all manner of great players over the last couple of years, even, and he's putting his name to it. So Titus loves him too. For us, Titus is coming up later to do Cleveland. I am in the camp of it depends what team he goes to, because I could see a scenario where his entire career he's just a good stats for bad teams guy. But I like this Memphis fit for him, especially. 
oh, he's perfect next to Gasol, especially because yeah. they got Gasol stretched out to the three point line. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it's, 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 listen, it's exactly what they had with Debo for so many years. Yeah. But, but a little more, so, I mean, more it's, athletic it's, though. Oh, right. It's the dream. It's the dream. So I, I can't, I cannot believe he will be, would be available at four. That would be insane to me, but well, Hey, I'll take him. As as we know with Memphis, though they they're prone to do really dumb things. It's the it's the franchise that took <laughs> Hashim Thabit over uh, over James Harden and Russell Westbrook. That happened. That was that was an and actual Steph NBA Curry. event. <laughs> oh, was that no Steph Curry was the next year, right? No, same year. Oh wait, oh you're right. It same was year. it was. <laughs> Westbrook was in that draft. No, it's James Harden and Steph Curry. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they, they 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 took they took Kevin Love and then flipped him for OJ Mayo. Yeah, that happened the year before the, the Westbrook year. Yes, and somehow Chris Wallace, the guy who did both those things, still has his job, which has always always been incredible. But as we've known, we've said this. I think you were the one who coined this. Uh, when the apocalypse happens, the only people that will be left are Chris Wallace and plant, <laughs> and some plants. And that's it. But, <laughs> but in this case, the Grizzlies have had this just horrible run. But now if they can get Gasol and Conley healthy, which I am dubious of that. I think those guys have a lot of miles in them. But let's say they are. Let's say they bring Bagley in and he can produce right away. They bring Tyreek Evans back. They have a couple role players. They sign one free agent. There is a case for them to win somewhere between 40 and 45 games, I would think, right? Well, and the other thing is they've got the 32nd pick, which is a great pick. Yeah. So you've got to nail that too, right? You've got to nail that too. There's always someone available at 32 that can end up really helping a team. Same way there's always somebody at four. I was looking at this the other day. Just, to, you know, I'm trying to talk myself into having the fourth pick isn't that bad. Almost every year over the course of the past decade, there are, you can go through the top three and we would redo them. The only one that you could argue is probably two years ago when it went uh, when it went Ingram or when Simmons Ingram and Jalen Brown. Yeah. But by the way, everybody yeah everybody thought that the Celtics were goofy for taking Jalen three right. They wanted Chris Dunn or they wanted Dragon Bender or whoever it might have been. Um, but virtually every other year. So the point is, there's always somebody better than the top three available at four. You just have to you got to nail it. Yeah. And the problem is with Memphis, I could totally see them taking Michael Porter and you having a conniption in your next podcast with us. Oh, oh listen, no. My 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 great fear is that they trade back a couple of spots to take somebody that they say they really like and get another starter from another team to get off the Parsons contract. Uh, that they use the most valuable asset that they've had yeah. in order to make up for a former mistake. And then they justify it by saying, hey, we got two starters out of this draft. Yeah, that's a classic NBA thing where you make a horrible mistake and then you give up an asset to try to save the horrible mistake. So it ends up being the double horrible mistake. I right. Would, I just, mean, I remember, I remember Matt Millen or Steve Mariucci one time on the NFL Network. He was talking about Joey Harrington. And they were talking about how, remember when they took all those receivers over and over again? And he said, the mistake wasn't all of the receivers. We never admitted that Joey Harrington was a mistake. And then we just kept trying to make up for it. We kept yeah. saying that Joey Harrington's not good because he doesn't have receivers. And so it's always, 
it's always a fool's errand to try to make up for a mistake that you've made. Last question. Which, which player would you be most excited if they fell to you out of the top three? Uh, or you oh, would still take Bagley no matter what? Three? Yeah, Doncic would be the next one. Yeah. Yes. Because there's yeah, a Doncic scenario. Yeah, Doncic would be the next one. Just because, yeah, and I'm turning, in a, I'm turning in an article today, actually, to you guys about guys that, like, there's, there, we'll always look back and we're going to see that there are guys that failed and we'll go, ah, maybe we should have seen it coming. Yeah. And so maybe with, like, Aiden, it's a motor. Or it's Jackson, he only played 21 minutes a game. Or whatever it may be. But I see no scenario in which Marvin Bagley is a failure, and I see no scenario where Doncic is a failure. He's just too good at basketball. All right, Chris Vernon, thank you. All right, Jason Gallagher is here. Yes. Our very creative person behind the scenes in the video thing. You've seen him pop in some videos. Yeah, occasionally. I try to stay out of it, though. Uh, you do what part of your job is you do NBA desktop for us every week. That's true. I made a controversial appearance on Friday's. <laughs> desktop with uh, Tanya Hubbard. We were yeah. filming each other. It just got, it got very dark. That was, was just, beautiful. That was, was beautiful great. filmmaking and it was great. decision it was making. Great. It really was. <laughs> it was like a Fellini movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, so Dallas on the clock at five. Yep. Chris Vernon just took Bagley at four. Mm -hmm. the, the top three um, is what the top three is. Uh-huh. So, so what do you do at number five? When you uh, hang out with Kevin O'Connor long enough, he starts to try to convert you to his uh, his belief system. And he's essentially convinced me that Mo Bamba's the guy. Okay. He's convinced me. He's been on a crusade. Two weeks ago, I was pretty out on him, but he's just been texting me every day, little tidbits of Mo Bambaism. Longest wingspan in combine history, Jason. Did you know that? He could finish around the rim. Baseline, he's a he's, uh, defensive presence, you know, but the upside is he's a cornerstone, and it's really gotten to me, Bill. And I'm I'm now I've now converted to the Church of Mobamba. Oh, you! <laughs> I, I'm in. I'm in. He's got me. Did KOC take the Kool Aid from the Mobamba's workouts? Did he pour it over your head, or he did he did. force you to drink it? He he sort of forced me at first, and then I started asking questions. Well, what about this? What about that? And then he's just like, "Go watch interviews." Okay, so he's so intelligent, yada yada. I'm impressed by Mo Bamba now. I'm on. I'm on the island. Evan's like judging me right now. <laughs> He's a Mavs fan too. So, yeah. So Dirk and Mo Bamba. D you can't factor Dirk in anymore. Why? Dirk's never I, leaving. Dirk's never leaving. He's never leaving. But he, Dirk like, is like Daryl Hammond on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> He's just gonna be there until you make him go. My favorite thing on Mavs blogs is they're like, "Well, we gotta start thinking life after Dirk," and it's like. Like My four dude, years ago? Yeah, forever ago. <laughs> Not now. I mean, yeah. So that kind of shows you the state of Dallas right now. Yeah, I'm I'm really bought into I've bought into Mo Bamba. I have. Um I think I think that everything KOC says is very intriguing. I think that he's probably the most conservative of of the picks. Like everyone has like this downside. And for him, it seems like um at worst he's just gonna be like a presence on defense, which is great. I don't know. That, that, that's kind of where I've talked myself into it. And then God, I watched... really sad times for the Mavs. It really, really is. And, you know... No party wants to take Trey Young and wants... When, and oh, hope every that part of me. But if I'm Steph a real Curry. GM, then no. But if I'm fake GM, Jason, I was just talking with Shoemaker about it. Trey Young, oh, totally... Are you kidding? I went to college in Oklahoma. I used to gamble, like, every fucking night. I would totally go for Trey Young. But, uh... Does it bother you that the Mavericks haven't made a good move in six years? 
It does bother me. Thank you for asking. Um, because <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of opens the door for a lot of possibilities at pick five. It does. Um, so obviously the dream scenario is that Doncic falls to like four or something. And then you are able to trade five and like Barnes for Parsons' terrible contract and four and hopefully get Doncic. That's the goal. Many people in Dallas don't want to do that. I've listened to a lot of Dallas sports radio. So Doncic falls to four. Yes. You flip Barnes. Mm-hmm. You take Chandy back. Take him back. He and Q's just back out on the town. Let's go. And the goal is just Doncic. Yeah. I would do that in five seconds. Five seconds. What am I losing with Harrison there's Barnes? There's so many people in Dallas that are like, Barnes is a cornerstone. Don't touch it. I'm not kidding. A cornerstone of what? <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say. Maybe if you're close, he's a he's a good guy to have, but not if you're as far away. Like the Mavericks are far away. He is one of those frustrating guys that on the right night. Yeah. Like I remember the Celtics played in Dallas during the winning streak. Yes. And it was like just kind of Barnes taking us on. <laughs> and Barnes can look really competent sometimes. And you're like, wow, this guy, Barnes. He he's good. But then the next game will have three points. Nah, he's he's one of those guys that's like great leader, great presence, can do some stuff, but he's not. Oh my God. I would trade I would trade him so fast. And then I would go to sleep so heavy and easy if I knew that I could trade Barnes and it would wind up with Doncic in a heartbeat. That's a really interesting trade. That's that's the one that's swirling probably the I most. I could see the Grizzlies doing that. Yeah. No, totally. Because you get Barnes. Yeah. Then you get whatever you get at the fifth pick. You get two starters yeah. out of it. And you get rid of the Parsons contract. I, I would do that. Yeah. and I mean, Great trade. Great fake trade. Great. Hey, You've guys. You've been the fake trade of the trade the day so far. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, Barnes is great. If anyone from Memphis is listening, Barnes. Great. He's great. You'll love him. <laughs> he's a great role player. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. their best player in a title team. Yeah. Exactly. He, actually, you could say he, he was the fourth best player in a championship team. Totally. At times, maybe three and a half. I don't just know. Just don't watch game, game seven of the 2016 finals. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just or erase that from. I'm going to flag all those on YouTube since I know how to do that now. So Mo Bamba, uh-huh. Dirk Nowitzki, Barnes, Wes Matthews, yeah. and Dennis Smith, who we have no idea if he's good or not. Um, no, I think I I think you have oh. to go in on Dennis. Okay, you good. have to go in on him. Would you want to play here. basketball with him? Me? Yeah. Uh, sure. But if I you would were like play a two basketball guard? with anybody. Um, okay. No. In all seriousness, Dennis. I mean, right now he he played really he played really well last year. I think I think last year was like rookie class was an anomaly. In any other year, he would have he would have been really impressive. If he, I mean, two years ago, who won rookie of the year? Uh, what's his name? From Milwaukee. Oh, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon. Well, yeah, we don't count good. that one. I know, but I'm saying Dennis would have won Rookie of the Year hands down that year. Hmm. All right. So you got Mo Bamba, but you're, <laughs> your you're voting for... <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. So you're picking Mo Bamba, but you're rooting for the Barnes and five... 100%. Yes. For Parsons and Fortrade. Yes. All right, Jason Gallagher. What's your next video project for us? Uh, Probably more NBA desktop. Okay, great. <laughs> I got to think about it. It's, All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. All right, this is uh, one of the three greatest moments of Kevin Clark's life. Lifetime Orlando Magic fan gets to pick for the Magic in a mock draft and pick the guy he wants, which means they won't actually. I'm take turning that the card in early. You know turning those picks where they just like they don't even take the time on the clock; they just turn it in because they've got their guy. Yeah, Trey Young. Trey Young. That's it. You're that's in. it. I'm in. I'm in. I you know the it's between in a lot of mock drafts between Mo Bamba. And Trey Young here. I don't think it's much of a decision because well, Mo Bamba's off our board. Mo Bamba's so off the decision. board, but I'm saying in, in a lot of situations th- th- that has been the decision. And for me, once I saw Trey Young was available, I just jumped at him. I think he's 
he's what the Magic need. There's a lot of potential downsides to him, but yeah. I just think what the Magic need to get out of their six-year tailspin is scoring, excitement, and superstar potential, and that's what Trey Young has. Bamba would be just an atrocious pick for them. You already have two centers. So in, that would seem like the most magical magic pick ever. In KOC's draft guide, yeah. he calls Bamba a theoretical shooter, which is just the magic lead the league in theoretical shooters. Yeah. That was Rob Hennigan drafted based on who the most theoretical shooter was. Mario Hazoni was a real shooter who became a theoretical shooter in Orlando. And so Trey Young is a legitimate guy who can score. I, I just that he's exact. I'm so glad he's there because he's exactly what the Magic need. So Trey Young goes to the Magic. Let's say it happens. Okay. Most fun player you've had since Penny Hardaway. Have you ha- has there been a more fun Magic player on paper? I'm just going to say this, and and this I won't might be a homework. I'll never laugh at you. Are with we the Magic. totally sure the Hito Turkoglu wasn't fun in 2009? Steroids, he the with the steroid era, Hito Turkle. Well, everybody. I mean, we had some issues on that team, but it's fine. <laughs> it, I mean, the you know, no one's no one's discounting. Sammy Hito Sosa was fun. Was fun. He d- <laughs> the Bash Brothers were fun in Oakland. <laughs> no one had less of a good time. Everybody loved the steroid era of baseball. Okay, well, they had a steroid era for the Magic. It was just as fun. He knew that couple years when uh, he would just be at the top of the key and yeah. they would set him a pick and he would do weird Hito things yeah. and then shoot a three and it would go in. Well, the best was when Jameer and Nelson- And it ended quickly. <laughs> I wonder what, it's weird how sometimes yeah, guys test positive for banned substances and then they, they tail off. Um, you know, so it was the best part of that team was when Jameer Nelson got hurt and then Hito could just handle the ball and cut yeah. out the middleman and just go to the top of the key and shoot a three. It was, it was a good time for me. So what, it, all right, walk me through. Trey Young comes to the Magic. Yeah. So Jonathan Isaac, Jonathan Isaac, Vucevic, is he on the team again? I guess. I mean, we're, we've been trying, we're in year four of trying to trade him, I guess. <laughs> He'll be off the Maybe team. Still trying to trade him. And Biombo, you got two years left. We have two years left to Biombo. My suggestion for Vooch is we trade him to 1997 when he would have been really a valuable key player to a team. <laughs> like a time machine yeah, trade? Yeah, time machine. Yeah, we just find someone in 1997, we give it to him. Try to no. get back like, uh, I'm trying to think of some shooter from 1997. <laughs> Was Mitch, Del Curry Mitch, around Mitch still then? Maybe it was. Mitch, yeah, Glenn Mitch, Rice? Mitch Richmond. Yeah, Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. Good, good 1997 trade. Glenn Rice. It's a great trade. Boot straight up. Okay, so I guess contracts wouldn't match up. <laughs> but yeah, at this point- I like we, that that's your biggest problem with the time machine trade, that there might be some contract issues. <laughs> not not just the time this. machine part. That part's been solved, but well, I don't know if it fits within the salary cap. So, uh, what? So the Magic don't have a lot of assets. And no, no, it's amazing because no. you picked in the top like eight for the entire decade, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, starting in twenty, starting with the Dwight Howard year, starting, yeah, after starting Dwight, with Oladipo, who was second overall. So this is your sixth straight year picking in like the top seven. I'm gonna yeah, say, yeah, and not only that, but what the return we got back for Dwight were. First round picks, Vooch, Mo The Harkless. Dwight trade was great for Orlando in retrospect. Yeah, we won you it. You got a lot of assets. No you one won actually. No one, nobody won. Nobody won lost. that trade. Everybody but if there lost. was a winner, it was Orlando. It was like World War One. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as I say it all the time. So the Magic, I, I don't know. If you're asking me where they go from here, yeah. the answer is I don't know because I would assume at this point, Gordon, who I guess they'll match any offer. That's been the report. They will match any offer Ooh. that they get for Aaron Gordon. Eh. I'm okay with it just because we need to keep any semblance of talent that we have. Okay. Hey, you know how I stand. If I was other teams and I hear that Orlando says that, yeah. I would just immediately max the offer. Yeah. Just screw them over. 
I don't think the magic need any help screwing themselves <laughs> over. over there. I think we'll it's going to be okay. <laughs> we're Guys, good. we've got this. We've got yeah, we're this. good. So you have Isaac, who only played 30 games last year. We like Isaac, though. We like Isaac. A lot of, he's, he's clearly the leader in the clubhouse for off-season puff pieces. He's, uh, he's putting on muscle. Mm. He's in the gym. We're so, going to three-point shot. Three-point shot. I'm all in on the puff piece circuit there for Jonathan Isaac. So I think we like Isaac, but again, 30-game sample size. You never know. He established himself as a perimeter defender, which I like. I think Clifford can – and one of the reasons I like Trey Young is I think that Clifford can scheme the defense into a point that it's okay. I, the fact that he's a limited defender doesn't worry me. Um, I think that a Steve Clifford team can carry a Trey Young on defense. Okay. Trey Young uh... – I'm trying to picture him in the uniform. Just it, I just see him with a sad look and like a very ugly blue and black old school Orlando uniform. The old the just throwbacks? going two for thirty. I it could definitely. That's happen. our worst case scenario. That, Best case scenario is he becomes a star. It's Orlando. There's a Disney ride for him. Uh, yeah, I don't he, know. I'm he, just trying to talk it through. He lives on a nice golf course somewhere. Yeah, he becomes friends with Tiger Woods. Tiger left Orlando. He's in Jupiter now. Oh, he's going. He yeah. has to come to the Magic. Our, our greatest, Orlando's greatest asset has left. He needs a place to. So, park are you his now yacht. Orlando's biggest celebrity fan? Ian Poulter. Okay, is you it still me. You guys are in the finals. <laughs> is it still me. Bubba Watson. All right. Well, congratulations. I hope this works out. Thank you. All right. Wanted to tell you about courtside at the NBA Finals. It premieres June nineteenth, nine p.m. on HBO. Reairs eleven p.m. Same channel, HBO, also available on all the HBO platforms, HBO On Demand, HBO Go, all that stuff. It will be available right after the first episode premieres. I was at the finals for 11 or 12 days. Turned out to be a sweep, but it was still, it was cool. The narratives were good. We wanted to create a show that resembled a little bit the shows I grew up with in the 1980s with, you know, after the season ended, NBA Entertainment would put out these awesome one-hour specials about the finals with, whole bunch of cool camera shots and music and inside access, all that stuff. We had some workarounds this time around. These guys are super famous. It's hard to just put mics on Steph Curry during a game. But uh, but I, I liked where we landed. And I think I think the show is cool. And I think if you love basketball, I would definitely give this one a chance. Plus, you miss basketball. Basketball's been gone for like 10 days. So check it out. Courtside at the NBA Finals, June 19th, 9 p.m. HBO. And guess what? The HBO sports team is really, really talented. They're good at this stuff. So there it is. Back to the mock draft. All right. On the line right now, Robert Mays from The Ringer. Normally he's a football guy and a Metallica guy. And he wrote a Gaslight Anthem oral history that was pretty great last week. But he's also a Bulls fan. The Bulls on the clock at seven. It's been an up and down history for them. You know who's off the board at this point. Who would you take for the Bulls at seven? I mean, I think I have to go with Michael Porter Jr. just because the upside is so tantalizing. It's hard to ignore. Obviously, the risks are there in several different ways, but I mean, this is a team that is a, pretty much a blank slate in terms of their direction. It, they don't have many building blocks. It's not as if, like, well, he kind of overlaps with somebody else's skill set. No, I mean, it's, there's so little to work with there that I think you just have to go for the guy that could be the biggest factor and have the biggest impact on the line. And I think that's him with the guys that are still left. Who would you compare? Have you studied him? Have you been on YouTube watching Michael Porter clips? I was on YouTube watching Michael Porter clips last year because he went to Missouri. Oh, yeah, so that's he right. he was going to my alma mater, and I was very excited about it, and then we didn't get to watch him play. So I'm familiar with him and have been for a while, and I just think that the weaknesses and the downside people see in his game, you know, the fact that the shot selection is kind of erratic, he's not a very good ball handler in tight spaces, things like that. 
those are nitpicky to me. I, I think a high school kid that can dream just from anywhere like he can with unlimited range is probably going to have a pretty terrible shot selection. So that, I don't mind. I feel like when he settles into the NBA, those things will kind of fade. In my mind, it's more so the injury stuff and just overall just his, his personality. It seems to be grating on people. But the game itself, I'm very excited about. At seven, I think he'd be impossible to pass up. The personality, it seems like there's a 50% chance he gets punched by Bobby Portis, right? That's Four, exactly right. <laughs> 55%? Not sure. Somewhere, somewhere in the 50s. It's probably better than 50-50. I go like 54%. <laughs> okay. Well, there's 46% chance he won't get punched. And the uh, <laughs> you kind of glossed over the health stuff, but that's the biggest reason that he would be available at number seven. Yeah. Teams can't even see his medicals. We have... Uh, we we have really no idea what's totally wrong with him. It seems like there's a back issue, but I haven't even really heard a perfect explanation for it. Have you? No, I haven't either. It was kind of shrouded in mystery when he was at Mizzou. People didn't know when he'd be coming back, if he would be coming back. And you think about back issues with a, not a small man. <laughs> He's pushing yeah. 6'11". I mean, that's the type of stuff that, even being 19 is like, oh, God, that's exciting. But then having back issues at 19, that you have to have pause with that. And that worries me. But again, I just feel like he's the only guy remaining that you could take at seven, and he could end up being the best player from this draft. Like Wendell Carter's solid. I like him. I like him on my basketball team. But I just think if you're the Bulls and you have so little going forward that are just the pillars of your franchise, you need somebody that can be an all-star. Do do you see any scenario where Porter and Markkinen are the two bigs on a team that's like in the third round of the NBA playoffs? I don't think Porter's necessarily a big. I think he's a guy that can handle the ball a little bit on the outside. He can shoot. I think that's fine. You just need the right players alongside them. I think you need, and the fact that Chris Dunn got a lot better last season, I'm not saying Chris Dunn is the building block of a playoff team. But a defense, a defense first point guard, somebody like that, you'd need a really solid, you know, defensive big man to pair with those guys. But I think that the type of team can exist that you'd be excited about if those were your two best players. Okay, I'm I'm less excited about that than you. I'm just trying well, to picture. Right. I don't have much to work with right now. <laughs> you gotta give me it when I have a chance. It, it, there's not much to be excited about with this franchise. I can tell you that right now. This is the best option I think at seven that they could have. You wouldn't trade up or trade down? No, I don't think so. I mean, if Porter's there at seven, I think that would be the scenario that I'm happy with. Would you trade Would you trade back to like 12 and try to get Tobias Harris for seven if the Clippers were over the moon about somebody? Not if Porter was there. I'd rather have Michael You're Porter. You're really in on Porter. Was he, he was the number one high school player a year ago, right? Yes, yes. And that's the thing. I, I just don't feel like we're that far removed from him being the guy that everyone loved. And it's so hard to turn away from how well he shoots at that size. And he has the requisite athleticism to be a good defender in the right situation. I just feel like there's too much there to walk away from if he's around at seven. Would you that do, would be the best case scenario. Would you do Pilates with him to build up his core so he would to reduce sure. the pressure on his back? Sure, that sounds great. I'd probably have to start working out again anyway. So if he wants to come up here and do it, he's already here actually. I think he lives in Chicago. So. Yeah, if he's down, I'm I'm available. 
Would you take him to Soul Cycle at six in the morning with your girlfriend or no? I don't go I don't go to Soul Cycle, okay? Soul Cycle is not what I do. Soul Cycle is kind of weird. I just <laughs> I'm not gonna get into the particulars of my workout routine, but if he would like to be a part of it, then I'm more than willing. All right. So this is a bonus for Michael Porter. He got he you he'll you'll be workout, but you'll be like Hans and Franz. You'll be workout buddies. Just going, that going sounds out. great. If he wants some help, like you know, getting to know Chicago, if he wants me to show him around, that's fine. You know, we're still in the in the NFL offseason. I've got some time. How would I'd you be more than willing? How would you describe your feelings about Gar Foreman and John Paxson in one word? After all these years, complicated. Okay, I mean, it seems like you might have won the Jimmy Butler trade. I don't know. <laughs> There's way too many emotions involved with that for me to just come out and say, yeah, it was a clear victory. It, it's not bad. The whole, the fact that Markin has actually turned into a useful player. I mean, all that stuff is exciting and I'm happy about it, but I still watch Jimmy Butler play and just get pangs into my chest because I miss him so much. Yeah, but I think he would have been unhappy in that whatever you could have gotten for him would have just started to drop as the next two years went along would be my take. It was time. It was time. I mean, I I wouldn't have been upset if it had happened the year before, just because I think that something drastic needed to go down for this team to get out of the muck that it had been mired in. And this was it. That should be your next ringer oral history is just what the hell happened on the 2017 Bulls. The weirdest chemistry team of all time. I don't want to know. (laughs) I have no interest in delving into that. That's like my own personal hell. No, thank you. Give me another assignment. I'll take it. But that's not what I'm going to wade into willingly at all. The over-under on guys getting their jaw broken by a teammate was probably like two and a half. So you went under on that. You only had one. But it could have been more. Great. Could have been a real more. rosy outlook. <laughs> Robert Mays, always a pleasure. Uh, talk to you soon. See ya. All right, the Ringers, Mark Titus on the line, host of One Shining Podcast, America's favorite college basketball podcast. Although now it's more. Now it's more than just college basketball. Um you know what the order has been so far. I think you didn't hear the rest of this podcast, but I think you would have enjoyed the most uh, of any moment during the podcast. Chris Vernon passionately declaring Marvin Bagley the best player in the draft and being in, yes. dis- in disbelief that Memphis got him at four. So there. So you have a partner in crime on that. You're picking for Cleveland at eight. Uh, you have two choices here. You can pick the player that you think they would take if they thought LeBron was coming back or the player mm-hmm. you think they would take if they're hedging their bets for if LeBron comes back or if he leaves, either way, they'll be happy. So what did you decide? So I, uh, first of all, I think they have to trade the pick, right? Like if we're, if we're talking like the real draft, if, if they're trying to keep LeBron, like they, they have to get more talented players. LeBron is not going to get excited about whoever they pick at number eight. They, the only assets they have are the eighth pick and Kevin Love. I think they have to trade this pick, right? If they're trying to keep LeBron, but for the purposes of this exercise, um, I, in my view, that, that's it. Like they have to trade the pick to keep LeBron or if they're assuming LeBron's gone, then you don't even worry about it. I don't think there's anybody that they can draft at number eight, basically. That's like, okay, now LeBron is staying. Uh, so I, I, I had two different thoughts. My, my first thought was, I really thought Trey Young should be the guy. I think like if LeBron leaves, just swing for the fences and take like the most, Boomer bust player probably in the draft, but then may or uh, I think it was Kevin Clark took took Trey Young right. Yeah, um, took him off the board for me, and then I and then I started thinking about it more and it flipped the other way. I was like, Cleveland is going to be put in a situation if LeBron leaves that it, it, 
these next five years are huge. I, I am very fearful as an Ohioan that the Cleveland Cavaliers, Cavaliers will never be relevant again. Um, I think they just got to like basically stop the bleeding for these next five years and take the guy that makes the most sense, the best player that's probably available at this point in the draft, the best two-way wing in the draft, Mikhail Bridges. Um, so that is my pick. Uh, I think, you know, he, he, I, my, my biggest flaw as an NBA GM whenever we do these sorts of things is I always like the guys who are good players now, which is why I'm also excited about Marvin Bagley. I like yeah. the guys that just like, I see you. I see how good you are right now. I need you on my team. Um, Mikhail Bridges, best player on Villanova. Jalen Brunson won National Player of the Year. Uh, Tate and I were talking about this on our podcast all year about how Jalen Brunson is not even the best player on his team. Um, Mikhail Bridges was definitely the best player on that team. Uh, he's a winner, all that kind of stuff. Everything I love everything about his game. I think he's the best player at the number eight spot. So I think that's what the Cavs have to do. And what's interesting about that pick is he works for either direction. If LeBron leaves, exactly, it's still good yeah. to have him on the team and he could still do stuff. What NBA player would you compare him to? Uh, the, the one he always gets is Kerry Kittles, but I think that's just because they both went to Villanova. Kerry Kittles? Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the one I, I, I've heard Kerry Kittles. Maybe that's just Tate. Tate always says Kerry Kittles. Kerry Kittles? I don't see that one at all. I was thinking, uh, I to me, it seemed like like in our Ringer NBA draft guide, we had Robert Covington, Eddie Jones, Tony Snell, which t- Tony Snell, I think, is insulted. <laughs> right. Down there. But... Could could he be like a better version of Robert Covington? I actually think he could. Could he be a rich man's Robert Covington? Yeah, absolutely. And if I don't you're see why that, not. Yeah, that's a great guy to have because everybody in the league you need to you need those multiple you need that guy to stop multiple scorers on each team. They certainly don't have that guy as we witnessed in the uh, in the playoffs. So I think yeah, he's he's definitely not the best player on a championship team. All that, but at number eight, I think we're at that point where those guys are off the board, right? So. You yeah. have to start thinking I, otherwise, and I don't know. I went to game four of the finals with you at the Factory of Sadness, and it did get sad in the in the crowd in the fourth quarter. It, mm-hmm. it, it, there was a feeling of of gloom that was looming. You got sad. You stopped talking for a while. It just was it got, <laughs> it got super sad in there. It wasn't it wasn't even like really that. I thought there would be like a big standing O MVP chant, and it was different. It was just it just got because sad. Unlike every other team, this is not about LeBron leaving. This is like as soon as LeBron leaves, it's not like okay, well, cool, that was fun that we had LeBron. Now let's try to go get the next great player. I think there's this understanding that when LeBron leaves Cleveland, the Cavs, the Cavs very well may may be irrelevant for the next two decades, if not longer. Yeah, and that's that's I think played into it. So, well, if you're still on pace of winning a lottery every two and a half years, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> That's that's basically what's happened since '03, right? You've won four that's lotteries true. in, I guess that'd be every four years. So you just got to keep that pace for the rest of the decade. Do you think there's any chance? I'm trying to think what the what the trade would be. I think Love would have to go in whatever trade it was, and I actually think he's underrated. And I was thinking about Indiana, your other favorite team. Is there a Miles Turner, Kevin Love type trade? that would carve out some cap space for, for Cleveland. Then you get Mikhail Bridges and you just kind of sell LeBron on a younger team that he can grow into. It, I like that trade for both teams. I don't think LeBron likes that. Though. You know, the, that would be my, like yeah. if I'm, if I'm LeBron, yeah, he's, I think, I honestly think the only way they're keeping LeBron is if they find a way to get 
Yeah, like they they got they have to get like Kawhi or something like that of that caliber or Paul George or something. They have to swing for the fences, and the problem is they have no assets. So yeah, that's a like, problem well, I, yeah. for because you need assets for trades usually. Yes, usually, usually usually how it works. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know if CJ McCollum is enough to keep him. Like if Portland for some yeah. reason said, "Hey, cool, we'll trade you CJ for the eighth pick," which I don't even think they would. And then they'd have to take one of the terrible Cleveland contracts back. I don't think that's enough. I don't think they have enough to get Kawhi. And really, all you have is guilt. That's that's what you have to play this time as an entire city. You just have to make him feel bad. This, I'm I'm crossing my fingers. Trey Young falls to Cleveland. He's terrible for like the first two or three years, and they keep they they run it back with winning the lottery those two or three years, and they just start stagnating, and that's just kind of their path. And then suddenly Trey Young figures it out. And uh, in like year five or six, maybe right. that's maybe that's how they come back. But anyway, right. so one shiny podcast Tuesday on the Ringer Podcast Network. You and Tay Fraser will be doing all of your last minute draft stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you mm-hmm. for coming on. Yep. One more break to talk about Callaway. They've been a terrific partner for us since day one. Their new Rogue driver, relatively new, delivers exceptional ball speed and real breakthrough in driver performance. Check it out at CallawayGolf.com. And for the best in professional golf talk, check out the Shack House podcast with Joe House and Jeff Shackelford. It is presented by Callaway on the Ringer Podcast Network. They broke down the U.S. Open as it was happening. Sunday night, they had the big reaction of Brooks Kepka uh, winning his second straight U.S. Open. Pretty great. I was also excited that Curtis Strange was was realized that nobody now, he's not the back-to-back guy. Now it's Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Hard name to say. Uh, Phil Mickelson's complete meltdown on Saturday. DJ not being able to get it going. They talk about all that in the Shack House. Check it out. The Shack House podcast presented by Callaway on the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, back to the mock draft. All right, the Knicks are up at number nine. Woo. If you've noticed a recurring theme on this podcast is that the Ringer has a lot of sad, <laughs> tra- traumatized NBA fans. None more than this man, Jason Concepcion. It's been a tough haul. Uh, low these last 15 to 18 years. It might even be more than it that. might even be more than 19 that. years? It might have been more than that. What was your last happy Knicks team? I guess 2013 was fun for about six months. That was fun. Uh, you know, Lynn Sanity was great for three weeks. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think, the yeah. Carmelo fight was awesome. I enjoyed the Carmelo Marty fight. Marty Collins. Oh man, Marty Collins. Let me tell you, Larry Brown loved Marty Collins. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> uh, Spreewell Give the finger to Dolan was fun, even though you're the recipient of that. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, I think, you know, he became, a, you know, the avatar for all of us Knicks fans in that moment. Rough, rough century for Knicks it's fans. It's been tough, yeah. Last year, the Knicks took uh, Frankie Nicotine. Le- I love who him. we haven't given up on. I, I, there's no reason to give up on him. Yeah, he's, you know, the offense needs to come around, but he's already one of the elite uh, defensive players in the league on the perimeter. He's Mookie, shades of Mookie Blaylock. I love Mookie Blaylock yeah. uh, for uh, the the name of Pearl Jam before they were Pearl Jam. Right. So the problem with the Knicks is they screwed up last year's draft. They took Frankie Nicotine, who we liked, but <laughs> didn't take Donovan Mitchell, who is tough. a game-changing uh, young player. That has become increasingly tougher in the rearview mirror to look at that. Porzingis blows out his knee about... 40% into the season. And then yeah. somehow this all of this doesn't translate to the Knicks getting even a top eight pick. 
they uh, you, you land know, you land at nine. They didn't tank correctly. I will say about uh, my son Chris Porzink is recently photographed jumping off of a yacht into uh, I believe the waters of the Mediterranean. Oh, um, with. A, a a beautiful young woman on on the deck of the ship. So I think the healing is coming along nicely. Okay. Um. And please don't blow out your knee jumping off of a yacht into the waters of the Mediterranean. How how wacky do we think he is on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> He's one of the most shameless dudes out here on the social uh, media streets that we've seen. Yeah. It's actually wild. So you're picking ninth for us. Yes. Uh, you know who the first eight picks were. Yes, I know uh, from from the email that was sent. From yesterday. the email that was so sent. Who do you out, have? I am going to select Colin Sexton. Oh, uh, Colin with two L's. Colin with two L's. Point guard has been a position of need for the Knicks since Rod Strickland. Yeah, <laughs> and so love to get a guy who really competes at that position. Um, obviously, there's some downsides when you're picking at eight. There's you can't help but have to deal with that. Not, Not a to great mention sh- you picked a point guard last year. Yes, uh, <laughs> there's that. Same uh, same as Frankie. Not a great shooter. Yeah, uh, I questionable uh, scoring skills. Does draw a lot of fouls, which I like, but you know, really competes. I I just don't think you can have enough perimeter defenders in the league. Like if he if he is a poor man's Patrick Beverly, I like it. So this is a competitiveness character pick for you. He's he's a very athletic, super competitive, yes. kind of one of those guys who comes through and it matters, responds to the crowd type of guys. Yes. And he's 19. So like there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of room to grow there. And and I think also when looking at his stats, you have to realize he carried like all the load at Alabama. Like yeah. he did everything. So he, even he took a to, lot of tough shots because he was taking all the shots and he was the guy everybody keyed on. So um, I'm bullish on him. And uh, as I said, need a point guard. He's, you know, like who's who's the point guard of the future? Is it Frank? Is it Sexton? Is it is it Moutier? Like, just, Moutier! I, like they just need to they need to take as many swings at at point guard as they can. The Knicks, uh, the Knicks and point guards over the last 30 years it's has been, been really spectacular. <laughs> Yeah, you, spectacular is a word for it. Some somehow you've had half of the point guards who have ever played in the NBA <laughs> over the last thirty years have have all the all the washed up guys oh, from the nineties made a cameo. They at least did a stop by. Uh, getting Mark it's Jackson amazing to back get the Steve Nash. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, you got Mark Jackson back the second time. <laughs> that it's was, amazing. Steve Nash didn't have his one totally washed finish his career with the Knicks season. He used this kind of like his leverage at one point. Like yeah, he did. You know that that's we need a point guard and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. He used his leverage, and it led to the Knicks signing Landry Fields for three years for like $25 billion. Love Landry Fields. That was Fields. rough. You should uh, be mad at Steve Nash for Landry that. Fields' is one year should go up in there as part of Mike D'Antoni's like Hall of Fame um, yeah. case. Lynn Sanity and Landry Fields? 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you don't – you think Frankie Smokes and, uh, and Sexton – can play together except for the part that the outside shooting has gone completely south. <laughs> right. Now, shooting not that important in today's league as I understand it. Uh yeah, the shooting is is a huge concern, but But maybe you could again, save money with the shooting coach cuz the shooting coach is there with both of them at the same time. I, it's like a 2 for 1. Sexton 
shot like 76, 77% from the free throw line. So I feel like there's a yeah, good, that's a good sign. there's a good basis for him being at least an okay shooter. He shot like 33% from three, not great, but also not totally abysmal. Like I, I, and he's 19 again, I feel like, uh, with reps, the shooting can come around and like you have Marcus smart on your team. Yeah. Can't shoot at all. Fight. Important guy for your team. I think he, there is some Marcus Smart, yep. but he's a much better. Uh, he's a much more creative. Yeah, if Sexton can de- the dribble guy. I think. If Sexton can develop into that kind of impact defender on the perimeter, like that's a useful player. I am excited for the handshakes with him and Enos Cantor yes. and the chest bumps and the screaming after dunks and <laughs> stuff like that. Enos Cantor is going to be uh, Colin Sexton's biggest fan. Any draft pick that they take. At eight is going to be, and Escanter is going to be that person's biggest fan. What's your sad factor with the Knicks right now? Last questions, one to ten. My sad factor. Yeah, I mean you've had sadder yeah, moments been, as a Knicks fan, but this I'm feels gonna, like a seven and a half. I'm going to put it at six. Okay, I'm not totally sad. There's some uh, glimmers of hope there, um, but obviously a lot of work to do. I think Fisdale has shown himself to be an elite culture guy yeah. in these uh, weeks since he's been hired. Just in the way he's presenting himself, uh, and so that would be the narrative the this year: is culture, culture. We got to build the culture. Culture. Out. Sexton's a culture guy. Culture Fizz guy. Is a culture guy. Frank, culture guy. We got professionals. That's right. I like it. That's what we need. Right. Change the culture. Start. It's, you can't change the owner though. <laughs> no, I mean that's the issue. That's part All right. of the problem. JC, we will see you on NBA Desktop this week. Yes, that's, that's got like correct. four more for the season. Then we're gonna take a break. Yes, and binge mode Harry Potter, which yes. I promoted before. Woo! Yeah, hardest working man in show business. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. All right, picking 10th for the Philadelphia 76ers, the new GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, Chris Ryan. Congratulations. Thanks, Bill. They, we have, they haven't announced it yet. What are they waiting for? Yeah, I don't know. It must be, maybe they're just going to do a press conference or something I'm not aware of yet. So we do this story and the, the GM ends up leaving the team. Uh-huh. But it's also your favorite team and now you don't have a GM and, and your coach is running your draft. It takes a village. Yeah. But your coach is running your draft. That well, probably, I think guess there's what a he couple people. Doing Mark Eversley, El- Elton Brand, Brett Brown, they're all working on it together. Brett Brown wasn't watching college basketball during the season. <laughs> he's like me, he's parachuting Neither in. Neither was I, and yeah. I'm here doing a draft. He's, Brett Brown's on YouTube at three in the morning. Oh, Colin Sexton, I like this guy. <laughs> so who do you have? Who do you who do you want them to take? Let's go there and make that pick, but then we can talk about who you who you would hope falls to them at 10. Yeah, so in terms of, you want me to draft within the... Within our our draft or within yeah. like let me my recap the draft sure. actually for the uh, for the listeners who might have blacked out at some point. All right, so first pick, Sharks took, took uh, DeAndre Ayton for Phoenix. Second pick, Luka Doncic for Sacramento from Riley. Third pick, Jaron Jackson to Atlanta from Danny Chow. Fourth pick, Marvin Bagley from a fired up Chris Vernon nice. who's all in, really wanted him. Uh, Fifth pick, Jason Gallagher took Mo Bamba for Dallas and was was sad about it. <laughs> it was actually sad. Uh, sixth pick, Trey Young. Kevin Clark took him for Orlando. Was excited about that. Seventh pick, Michael Porter from a very uh, scared Robert Mace. Eighth pick, Mikhail Bridges goes to Cleveland thanks to Mark Titus. Ninth pick, Colin Sexton to the Knicks from Jason Concepcion. Now you're on the clock at 10 with the Sixers. So after years of uh, rolling my eyes... At Al Horford and uh, all of Al Horford's many um, advanced analytics poets in the yeah. NBA media. Yeah. Uh, and then after watching Al Horford be the best player on the floor for a lot of the Eastern Conference playoffs 
especially in the Sixers series. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to draft the next Al Horford, Duke's Wendell Carter. Oh. Uh, this was, I got to say, this was the one pick that shocked me yesterday because of how many big guys the Sixers have taken in drafts. This, this is why I wouldn't be century. a good GM. This uh, is why you wouldn't be a good this GM. This is why I would not be a good GM. My heart is so set on Mikhail Bridges that I don't know what to do now. Yeah. I don't have a plan B. So I've come up with this one, which is essentially Embiid Insurance and a guy who does the little things. So Titus broke your heart two picks yes. ago. Yeah. You wanted Bridges because he's like basically the rich man's Robert Covington. Right. And you if this happens Robert to the Sixers and Kobe Altman breaks up the Sixers' plans, we're in a lot more trouble than I thought we were. But yeah, I basically really wanted a guy who was a slightly more mature, three and D, won two national titles, don't overthink this, best player on the best team, really just seems like he could just plug and play right into the Sixers' system. And I don't have that. So I'm looking around and I'm thinking, okay, Lonnie Walker, SGA, Knox, like these guys are all like in differing levels projects. Yeah. And I'm kind of uh, post projects. With You're the post Sixers. projects. Yeah. Yeah. I want something that's a little bit more of a short thing. Even I don't know if that short thing has a lower ceiling. Can I make the case for Kevin Knox? Go ahead. So you, you, the Sixers blew it with Tatum last year. Knox is not going to be as good as Tatum, but does some of the things that Tatum would have done hypothetically on that Sixers team last year, the Sixers had had him. It's like a second chance and he's young. He's, I think, the second youngest guy in this draft out of the Jer Jaron Jackson in the top 14. He's not even 19 yet. 6'9", can create a shot, can shoot threes. Wouldn't that make can more sense? Can he shoot threes? He feels, Whoa. Kevin Knox feels very Jeff Green to me. Well, so the fear is there's Tatum fumes from last year where it's like, he could be Tatum. And it's like, no, actually Jason Tatum's Jason Tatum. Yeah. This other guy is as tall as Jason Tatum and kind of, Shoots similarly. I, Kentucky guys are really hard to, to pick. You know that they have a certain amount of athleticism, but the way Calipari uses his dudes in, at, at Kentucky is really difficult to project them into their NBA selves. Yeah. Devin Booker wound up being a pick and roll guy. Towns wound up being this, this stretch four. And that's not how they play at Kentucky. Yeah. I was never blown away watching Knox at Kentucky. I was way more into SGA. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I liked uh, what I saw of Wendell Carter. I liked a lot. What I've read about Wendell Carter, I like a lot. Well, it does seem like out of all these guys available, he's the one that could easily also go like fifth. Yeah. And Kevin O'Connor wrote a very convincing thing on The Ringer today about why Wendell Carter might be a better pick than Marvin Bagley. Right. So thinking about the Sixers team, what you have, Embiid, if he's playing 29, 30 minutes a game, that 18 minutes when Embiid's not in there, is crucial. And you had like Amir Johnson yes. and these Darius Arch playing out of position. And for some reason, they never played Holmes, which I never really understood. He's an energy guy, but I think he makes a lot of mistakes and coaches hate mistakes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Carter comes in. There's your 18 minutes right there. Yes. And your Embiid protection if he goes down again. Okafor's gone. Absolutely. And, also, and he's trade bait potentially too. Yeah. And then if you get Ben Simmons into the cutting to the basket zone, that's really nice to have because uh, Carter's a really good passing big man. So you start having Carter passing out of the uh, off the nail to to like a cutting Ben Simmons or a cutting Fultz or you know or Embiid backdoor. I think it's really like I like what he does immediately, and also everything you read about him sets the screens. Good kid, like does all this stuff is defensively like way farther advanced than a lot of dudes in the, in this draft. And seems like he was got 
a semi-raw deal at Duke. Yeah. Well, he was playing behind Bagley. And when Bagley yeah. got hurt, he looked really good. And then Bagley yeah. came back. I think you talked me into this one. Okay. You would trade up though, right? In a heartbeat. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's a two-person draft to me We're, in terms of like that. Or you want to give stuff up for it. Also, I got to tell you, man, I am pretty haunted by trading up. That's not like my favorite thing to hear right now. For after so they'll funds. never trade. So if if Memphis called you and said, "We'll do four for ten and faults right now," you wouldn't do it. And what's what am I getting it for here? Marvin Bagley. No, okay. I'd rather. I mean, honestly, like, it, what if Atlanta called you and said, "We'll do three for faults and ten. You can take Jaron Jackson. I'm okay. You're good. Yeah, I think Wendell Carter is more ready to play than Jaron Jackson. Wow, Chris Ryan coming in hot. Um, all right, that's it for Philly. Thanks, Chris Ryan. You got it. All right, picking 11, our old friend Tate Frazier. Good to be back. You're back. Yeah. I'm you here. graduated from us. Now you're like a podcast host. Some, you can some come would back. say. Every once in a while, you can come back. Please, whenever you want me to. Um, you're picking for your beloved Charlotte Hornets at number 11. It's a tough pick. Uh, it's a tough time. I think uh, it's a new era in Charlotte, as you know. We got Mitch Kupchak, who has come out and said that he and Michael Jordan are not friends. Uh, it, which is he what does was, that mean? He was trying to say, like, basically, like I'm not going to default to what Michael says just because we have a, a past friendship. And he even came out and was like, we don't even have that great of a friendship. You know, we knew each other tangentially, but yeah, it was we more both love Dean Smith. Yeah, it was a business thing. It's that just because we went to Carolina doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. So I think the interesting thing now is to see. I think Jordan last year made the monk pick. I think that was his pick. I think Mitchell was who they wanted to take. And then Jordan came in in the last hour and was like, no, we're going to take Malik Monk. Do oh, you think Charlotte wanted to take Mitchell? Well, that was the plan last year because they wanted to get the Kimba replacement. To get, get, the, get the point guard for the future. You bring him in, let him mature under Kimba. And then Monk was on the table. So they go, hey, we're going to go for best player available. Michael loves him. Because he had 47 against Carolina. Michael Jordan only watches I really Carolina like basketball Monk. games. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like Monk. So that's what happened last year. And I think this year, if a similar situation were to happen, say Michael Porter Jr. is on the board, if Michael if Michael Jordan says, I want to take Michael Porter Jr., I think Mitch Kupchak says, no, we take who we're going to take. So it's a, it's a new time, which is nice. And then Michael Jordan said, no, you didn't hear me. We're going to take Michael Porter. <laughs> then he Stop just it. sends the card in. Yeah, we're, we're, this is what we're actually doing. Uh, so you like who at 11? 11, I like Kevin Knox. Okay. Um, I think they're going to go back-to-back Wildcats uh, with the Calipari kids um, and bring them in. I think, as you know, Michael you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, number two pick, hasn't quite you know panned out. He's had some injuries, some shoulder problems. He still doesn't have a jump shot. They need a small forward. And I think Knox is a guy that they all seem to like. They worked him out. They were a little worried about his shooting. Uh, he shot like 34% from three last year. But um, I don't know. I think I think they buy into Kevin Knox and go for the 6'9 guy and have Marvin Williams and MKG kind of, you know, mature and make him make him grow up a little bit in his first year. I made the case with Chris Ryan that the Sixers should take Kevin Knox. I I think they need a wing, and I think it's either Bridges or Knox, right? That's Can he the- shoot threes? Can who shoot threes? Knox. So you happy with his three point stroke? No, and I think that's the the biggest. That's the thing. rub on him. Yeah. Right? Well, he has a great mid range game. It just seems like the biggest thing is people say he doesn't have a motor. Um, that's one of his so biggest knocks, yeah, which is tough. Um, and then you know the three point shooting thirty four percent is not great. But the, I don't know if he has to be that guy in his first year in Charlotte because Kimba you know shoots all the time. The fear is it's like the Luke Kennard thing that happened last year, mm-hmm. where we had this whole sample size to watch somebody play basketball against other players. The season ends. Then we go to the workouts. We were like, Luke Kennard killed his workout yesterday. <laughs> yeah, wow. he, made, he made 93 out of 100 threes. I can't believe how well, he, how well he worked out against nobody. Yeah. 
And then we do this every year. And it seems like Kevin Knox is this year's workout guy. On the other hand, he's young. And I, I like getting young dudes. I like, I like the fact that he's not even 19 yet. On the other hand, that was the case for James Young when the Celtics took him. He's so young. He got all this playoff or this uh, big game experience already. Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. baby. And then it's like he goes to the NBA and he can't even handle anything. Absolutely. And I think the the thing with Knox too is that a lot of people are worried about w- what position is he going to play? Can he even play the three? Does he have the, the handles to play the three? Or we're going to have to slide him down to the four? The Hornets do need a small or a power forward because Kaminsky hasn't quite worked out, you know, uh, as, as you, you remember that trade. I did. That, that Michael Non-trade. Jordan. Non-trade. Yeah, that Michael Jordan didn't want to do. So th- that's why it's a new era. So I think uh, people are worried about that. And I think there could be a world in which the Hornets want to go to a power forward and they take a Robert Williams and people are freaked out because they can't believe that they picked a guy this high. So your tax, Michael Jordan, your favorite athlete ever. <laughs> yes. You ride or die with MJ over LeBron, like nobody on this ringer staff uh-huh. except for maybe me. <laughs> but the tax of the joy that Michael Jordan brought mm-hmm. is that he's a terrible owner. And it's just, it's you know, we just have to deal with it. We're, we're happy to have Michael in Charlotte. It's nice. Unfortunately, na- you know, most of the time he's in Nassau in the Bahamas, you know, but we take him when he's in town. We're it's excited. like having a crazy parent. Yeah. And like it, my mom didn't come over for Father's Day yesterday. I still have no idea why. <laughs> she just wasn't available. So <laughs> it's like, all right. That's my mom. Michael is not available to us. He's definitely not emotionally available. He definitely doesn't talk to the people that much. He does the fundraiser, you know, yeah. a little bit, but that's about it. Um, I think right now, though, with Cupcheck being there, he's going to listen to Cupcheck because he respects Cupcheck. A lot of the people he had, he just sort of overrode all their decisions. And I think with Cupcheck, he'll finally have to listen to him. I, I mean, I have to mention Cupcheck left the Lakers because he. Overpaid Luol Deng and yeah. Timothy Magaskov and completely destroyed their cap space and uh, did such a bad job in LA that like te- that they couldn't even land players who wanted to go there like Lamarcus Aldridge and I'm not even sure Kevin Durant met with them. No, I I, I think that and was now a- that's your new GM. Well, and that's you, not good. You've made the joke all the time that he wakes till twelve o'clock in the free agency and you know plays it by the. He's very old school in yes. that in that matter of fact way. But the good thing about Charlotte is no one's coming there as a free agent. I mean, Batum was the biggest thing, and that was because we gave him you know one hundred and twenty million dollars. Of course, he's going to come to Charlotte. I don't think they're going to be in the free agent game. I honestly think that Jordan wants to shred money. He doesn't want to pay all these guys. He has you know they're almost in the luxury tax. Yeah, I could see them taking that eleven pick, maybe drafting a guy like if Michael Porter Jr. is on the board or Shea Gilgis Alexander that people like around the league and trying to take that with the player, shred some salary and make a oh, trade. Because they are I, I think Kupchak wants to trade the pick. Yeah. Well, somebody's going to fall because it seems like the, the draft goes 10 deep and then it drops. Yeah. But somebody always makes a mistake in the 10. Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is the the thing that haunts yeah. that team. I think it haunts Michael Jordan because I think he knows that Mitchell was the guy I that should have I never knew taken. that story. Yeah. I, I had known that uh, the Knicks were very close with him. And then there was one other team. I was think, it the Pistons, right? When they took Kennard? I think the Pistons were in on Kennard. <laughs> they, they saw that workout. I think SVG was like, did you see that workout? It reminds me of Turkoglu, yeah. I met good. Mitchell at the uh, finals, and he was like such an impressive guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's like a 38-year-old guy already. And you would think like the whole rookie t-shirt thing would kind of phase him a little bit when people nah. were kind of giving the backlash. He was like, yeah, I'm still going to wear it because I am a rookie. Sorry. Well- I don't know whether to take congratulations, <laughs> but thanks for making the case for Kevin Knox. I don't think there's any congratulations to be had, but I, I do think if Knox comes in and they replace MKG with Knox, that's The good an news is you have North Carolina basketball. That's right. Yeah. You always have that. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Dave Frazier. Of course. Thanks, Bill. Up next, 12 and 13, the Clippers. 
Did, which pick did they get for Blake Griffin? 12 or 13? 12. 12 from Detroit. Yes, 12. Yeah. One of my favorite trades in a while. They dumped, they dumped an onerous contract. They got Tobias Harris back, who I like. They got Boban, who has become a ringer uh, favorite. And then uh, on top of that, they got the 12th pick. What else did they get? One more thing, right? Didn't we get Andrew Bradley, Bradley and then he's Avery an expiring? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yes. Right. So we have Isaac, who's producing today's podcast, uh, longtime Clipper fan. Mm-hmm. KOC, the ringer's draft guru. Celtics aren't in the top 14. You could, we couldn't have you pick for them. We decided to make you co-GMs for these two picks. One of the picks is obvious. The other <laughs> pick is not that obvious. So with the 12th pick, who are you taking? We took Miles Bridges out of Michigan State. There's no debate between me and Isaac and I for this Zero pick. Debate. Was there yeah. Isaac? No, I mean, he's a surefire pick. He's not going to be bad. You see him in, in college. He's a role player. He He's not going to be a star necessarily, but he'll be a good player, maybe off the bench, You know, maybe a fifth starter for a long time in the league. He's not going to be bad. And that's as a baseline. He could become a oh, really, yeah, really high-level player if his offense continues to develop. Because mm-hmm. there are some things I don't think he got to show within Michigan State's system. But within the in the NBA, projecting ahead, maybe he develops go-to scoring abilities on top of what he already has as a complementary, athletic, you know, spot-up shooter who attacks closeouts and can do a little bit off the dribble. There's yeah. a lot of potential there. So you have you, on the Ringers NBA Draft Guide, presented by State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> we compared him shades of Derek Coleman and Tobias Harris. Interesting fact. I don't know if you guys know this. Tobias Harris is on the Clippers. <laughs> yes. So I years. actually yeah. like when there's like weird redundant with forwards who are like, is that a power forward or small forward? What is that person? But then you have two of them. Like I liked when the Morris brothers played together in Phoenix. It, it, it I thought would, it was effective. It would be interesting having both those guys on the same team. Cause Tobias Harris, I feel like, He's underrated in a way because, look, he's, totally he's only going to be 26 this year. Nearly yeah. averaged 20 points per game. Super efficient. He's gotten better over the years. I don't think I don't think we should discount him as being like a very important player on a contending type of team. Yeah. So you wouldn't you wouldn't trade Tobias Harris 12 and 13 for number two? Never. No for way. For Doncic. You wouldn't do that. It would have to be Doncic. I would have to know that it's Doncic. I'm saying two. Okay. Um, so you know what's Sacramento saying. Would, calls you and says... We'll give you number two, and here's what we want. I would you have think to take Zach it. Randolph's contract back, Zebo 2.0 in, in the clips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would consider that, and I, I probably would end up pulling that trigger. <laughs> we would say yes. Yeah, to we would say yes to that. If it's Luca, everything's out the window. Like, take Tobias mm-hmm. Harris, take whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you, Luca to you is a 130 cents on the dollar guy. Sure. Yeah. Because that's yeah, basically yeah. what Philly paid for faults last year. You do it mm-hmm. if the guy's a sure thing. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, me, Chark, Sandy, and you all have Luka number one in. And having him number one in this year's class, which has a lot of really strong prospects, I think I think is an indicator like this is the guy in this draft, at least in my heart. I mean, I think he is the guy that if you're going to trade up, trade up for Luka. And your gut feeling is that he goes in the top two, that all oh, this is smoke. Yeah, I mean, I still think top three for him. You know, even, even if Sacramento takes Michael Porter or Marvin Bagley at two, I don't see how Atlanta could pass on him at three. I just... Can't see. I feel and like if Phoenix, if Phoenix shocked everyone and took Jaron Jackson number one, you wouldn't flip out. If they took Jaron Jackson over DeAndre Ayton, yeah, I would. I would be super, super shocked, and I think it would be the wrong choice. Okay, so you would take you. You still have the tier of Ayton, Doncic, and then it drops yes. to Jackson. Yeah, Jackson and, and, and Bamba and that whole group there. Yeah. I still feel like Jackson is a sure thing. Jackson's gonna be really, really good. I'm a Michigan State fan, so I'm biased, but Jackson is like. 
I think he's one of the, he falls in those, in those surefire picks. Like he's not going to be bad. Can I just point something out though? I, 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 with Jaron Jackson, he had more fouls per 100 possessions than Marquise Chris, more than Carl Anthony Towns as a uh, freshman. I don't like that. And, yeah. But did you watch Michigan State? Tom Izzo did not do a good job with that team this sure, year. Sure. Sure. Uh, but Jaron Jackson, there's, there's no, he's going to be a good player. Right, he's going to be a good player, but to be an elite defender, he's going to have to cut down his foul rate. And other other great defenders have had high fouls, foul rates as freshmen. Joakim Noah did, Joel Embiid did. So there's a chance he goes down that path, but there's also a chance he has difficulties, you know, not biting at pump fakes, not chasing every block that's available, like Carl Anthony Towns. There's no no such thing as a guarantee, but I would bet on him going down the other path. Man, part, this has been a rough podcast for Jaron Jackson. <laughs> Seriously, oh we talked him up early, and now yeah. it's now it's flipped on him. The KOC just with the Kevin Obamer off the top rope. It's, Doesn't know it, what happened. It's just like I'm in the process of like, do I want to have Jaron Jackson ahead of this guy or that guy? I don't think I put him ahead of Bamba. Let's go what? back to yeah. really, yeah. You take Bamba over oh, Jackson. Here we yeah. go. Sorry. I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't know this was going to happen either. Because <laughs> uh, we had Gallagher begrudgingly take Bamba at five. Come for on, Dallas. Jason. He didn't even feel that great about it. He's and he said the good. only reason he did it was because you whipped a glass of Bamba Kool-Aid at his face. <laughs> and he did. still had the, uh, I did. the DNA from the Kool-Aid in his I hair. I did. It's true. So, I, did, I did do that. So you, you're all in on this is going to be your, the hill that you die on this year. That Mo Bamba is going to be a really, really good player. Last year's hill was time. Jason Tatum, which was a great it's a hill. Pretty good hill, yeah. What was the year before? 16. Simmons, Brown. Um, It depends. Like it, Around that time, uh, you know, in Boston sports media, I was going to radio shows and everybody's saying Jalen Brown's a non-shooter. And I was like, no, Ben Simmons is a non-shooter. Jalen Brown can shoot. It's just a matter of what level he reaches as a shooter. And he's exceeded so expectations. That, so you were on the Jalen Brown hill in yeah, 16. Yeah, kind of. You know, for What Boston was the last bad hill you were on? Um... Jalil Okafor? No, nah, I mean, I had Okafor at number two, which feels so dumb yeah. in hindsight. So yeah, we I, didn't know. But we didn't I'm know not sure if I was change. on a hill, but that was a really bad one. Having, had having Brandon Ingram too. ahead of Ben Simmons. The Laurie Markin F+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, I'm still happy with my Lowry evaluation. I'm I'm happy with it. The oh, F, I love that. This the, is great. The, the, the F plus was a in the moment, you know, Ruby was sitting there like I need I need a grade. And I was like, F plus, because I thought the deal was bad, giving the 16th pick in the draft. I still think that was silly. Yeah, they but shouldn't the, have done it. The, the F plus was a mistake. It, it should have been like a, a C plus for the pick. And Do you F+ still hear the from deal. the Bulls fans oh, about Lowry? All the time. Yeah. It's the funniest thing. Well, listen, I you can't it. go hundred percent on these. Of course Miles not. Bridges is he a, is he a starter for the Clippers in the next two years? You think so, right? Yeah, I, I think he, a- he can start at the two next to Toby Harris or Toby Harris at four and him at three. But I think Miles Bridges projects to be kind of like a, a good Jay Crowder, maybe. Like he, he's, he's thick framed. He can way, guard threes and fours. That's, that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah, that's a good player yeah. to have. I like good Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder on Utah was pretty good, I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And he had some moments with the Celts. He, KOC sh- and I were, were trying to warn everybody that he was overrated, but but now he's like weirdly underrated. So Harris, Bridges, <laughs> Boban. Uh, Boban at the five if yeah. DeAndre leaves. Um, DeAndre's not leaving. He's staying? You think he's staying for I sure? I don't think that money's out I, there I for him. I think he's going to opt in. I do. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to opt in this year, but you you're saying in. two years down the road, who yeah, knows what will happen. Yeah, but I'm saying next season he's there. Yeah, next season he's here. Because he's not getting $24 million for Oh, no way. So th- no this way. Is, this is something we we discuss when discussing like who are we going to pick. It's like, well, is DJ going to opt in? Are we going to let that influence our decision? And ultimately it was, no, we're not. Also, you have Gallo. We have Gallo. For the 38 games he'll play before he, <sighs> yeah. before he gets like plantar for Him, we have Milos, we have Pat Bev. 
Who Pepe knows if back. any of those three will be healthy, honestly. But uh, your favorite clipper, Austin Rivers. <laughs> no comment on Austin the, Rivers. The greatest clipper. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then uh, we left somebody out. There's one other good one. Uh, Lou Williams. He's Lou on Williams. the contract. So for the All Star team. Yeah. It's not a bad team. All right. Who are you taking at 13? So at 13, Isaac and I debated this one. We got into a good argument over the phone. <sighs> yeah. uh, Isaac wanted Lonnie Walker, uh, Miami wing, and I wanted Troy Brown, a wing from Oregon. So this is and a tiny bit high for Troy Brown, right? A little bit high. People have him um, in the like 16 to 18 range. We ultimately went with Troy Brown. Yeah. And, Explain and it. So it, what's it, the comp for it's, him? It's my head if... if if, if Brown doesn't work out, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Troy Brown, it, we have comps for him as Chris Middleton, Evan Turner, DeAndre Bembry, which isn't the most impressive group. However, Chris Middleton is, I like him. You though. think about like the good qualities from some of those guys, Chris Middleton, Evan Turner. Troy Brown is a versatile defensive player who can also handle the ball. Mm. Um, so he's like Turner in that sense where he can do different things for you, but better um, shooter, right? But, but, but better shooter. I mean, he shot only 29% from three last year, but 74% from the line. He's in the process of making some tweaks to his mechanics that seem yeah, to help. Yeah, his shot looks a little weird. Yeah, it's not a great shot. However, he has everything else. He has the playmaking. He has the vision. He has the, the body to defend all the positions. But he also has what I think is really important. He's one of the highest character guys in the draft, one of the quote-unquote hardest-working guys in the draft. And if I'm going to bet on somebody to reach their potential, whatever it may be, I would bet on a guy like Troy Brown. And for the Clippers with that pick, I think you're getting a guy who can plug into whatever type of system you're running moving forward with his versatility. And then if his shot does start to click, which I think it can because he has solid touch, then you get a really, really, really good player on your hands, like a Middleton-Turner combo type, which I think is pretty damn good. Yeah, we forgot to mention Harrow, who I really like. Oh, yeah, Montrez Harrow. Yeah, Trezzy's good. Ultimate energy guy. Yeah, really, really good energy guy. He's doesn't have the crazy contract that Fareed does, but does everything that Fareed does, basically. <laughs> the Clips um, actually have too many guys. If if they do take Miles Bridges and he's a rotation guy, no, we don't have like enough a wings, 10-man though. rotation. We have a lot of guards. We have a lot of bigs. We don't have a lot of wings. You don't have the 6-7. Yeah, we, we need, we have, we, we the need great that Wesley six, Johnson <laughs> back for his ninth year. Yes. The great. The so great. you need to improve Wesley Johnson. Um, so he, this could be the improvement. Sure. Yeah. Sure, but Troy Brown is what? He's 6'7". Six, he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he has a long wingspan. 6'7", yep, 6'10", six, six, wingspan. It's not super, super long. Yeah, my nice. thing is he can play great defense for you, right? He, he hustles hard. He'll, he'll play lockdown defense in the perimeter. He, he needs to bulk up a little bit, but he can potentially defend in the post. But the, his biggest factor is who knows if his shot's going to develop. You're confident KOC that his shot will develop. I mean, but his shot looks like a catapult. I mean, we, we've been down this stage before with Justice Winslow and Stanley Johnson, a long, long list of guys who sure. improve their shot. But I think he's at a, a better starting point at this stage. And really it's just betting on like one of the, High IQ players, one of the youngest guys that's going to go in the first round, one of the highest character guys in the draft. It's betting on really him, the, the person, as much as it is Can I ask him, question? the player. Sure. I love that you guys are pretending that Lonnie's not going to be the pick here. I like oh, Lonnie oh, Walker for this. I, I'm the one pretending. <laughs> yeah, you're the you're the only one with the pretense. Like I said, it's my head if Troy Brown doesn't work out. <laughs> I think you can lock down Lonnie Walker. Everything I've read, all the concerns, all the red flags... It just feels so Clippers to me. <laughs> it it just feels like Clippers a perfect pick. Clippers pick. Yeah, and with him, like he just kind of looks like a player that the Clippers need. 
So I, I can see that front office the on paper, Lonnie. Yeah, oh, on yeah, paper, like, oh yeah, this guy can score from anywhere on the on the court, and he can he drives right, and he can score near the rim and all that stuff. And, and, and the one thing that I brought up when we debated this pick was that you know he had a torn meniscus last year, yeah, and he had multiple knee injuries in high school as well, mm. where it's like you know I, you know. That's just it's something on my mind when, when I'm making that pick. We're, we're not afraid of injuries. We we have Pat Bev no, on our not. team. We Definitely have not. Danilo Gallinari <laughs> on our team. We had Blake Griffin and we traded him away. And, and we got Avery Bradley in return who's yeah. also injured. We have a lot of injuries on our team. We're not afraid and, of it. And that's one of the reasons why I'd, I'd like a guy that you can feel confident will definitely be on can the floor. Can I ask a question? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you take Zaire Smith here? He was on our board. And, you know, Zaire... Uh, I think we wanted somebody where we had a little bit more confidence in what he'll be yeah. on the offensive end of the floor. Zaire Smith, elite athlete, can become a really, really high-level defender. Um, not a lot of ball handling there. The shooting is a question mark. He's uh, also undersized, and that's kind of a concern. With We have a lot of guards who can already defend. I yeah. mean, Austin Rivers, as much as I have, a, good defender. have a high-level mm-hmm. yeah. distaste for Austin Rivers, but he can, he can defend guards. We need wing defense. That's what we need. Robert Williams as the DJ a year from now replacement yeah. doesn't make sense. We, we kind of wanted to get away from that DJ mold, I think. And plus, okay. DJ probably back. A uh, little bit of a factor. Yeah. It, if I'm going to have a big guy who shoots 50% from the free throw line, I'd rather have the guy who's proven that he can actually play defense. And Robert well, Williams can be good. Again, he pay, just reminds me exactly of DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if I want to sign up for a younger thing, DeAndre Jordan again. You're paying again. DJ $30 million. Exactly. And Robert Williams will be on a rookie contract. So. I wonder what the most Jerry West pick is. He usually goes for the upside. Trading up. Yeah. That's the thing. We're all pretending they're not going to trade up, but yeah. I feel like they're going to trade up. They're going to try to get a star. I think it would be a wrong choice. Michael um, Porter, baby. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my God. Isaac's worst nightmare. <laughs> that would be a very Clippers pick, though. If he's on the board at seven for the Bulls, would you trade 12 and 13 for seven? <sighs> Anything else on the deal? Just 12 and 13. Um, I'll throw you back Bobby Portis. I like Bobby Portis. I, I, I wouldn't do it, but I'm also not as high in Porter as the Clippers might be. I wouldn't do it if I'm the one. Making it seems that like call. the Clippers want to come out of this draft with a star. With a star, Obama wants a star, and in turn, Jerry West also wants a star. And for me, as a as a Clippers fan, I've seen too many like. You know, we've drafted Eric Gordon back in the day. We drafted uh, Bledsoe the year right after that, and we're we're trying to get these like ball handling guys who can who can potentially be be a star or whatever. And that's never worked out. It's worked out once, Blake Griffin, but he was a surefire pick. All right, let's move to Denver. Haley was going to come in. Haley O'Shaughnessy. She's got strep throat. Yeah, it's unfortunate. She was like at the pharmacy getting antibiotics. She's like, I'll come in anyway. We're like, no, no. First of all, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants you breathing all over us. You're strep throat. Stay out of the office. That is a ringer policy. If you're sick, stay home. We don't take it personally. Yeah. But uh, she did send us a pick. So who'd she take? She took Shea Gilgis Alexander ah, from Kentucky. Nice. Were we okay with that? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, one, another not, doesn't hurt to add another guard on top of everything else they already have, I suppose. <laughs> I well, suppose, but Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, that feels like a New Orleans with their three-headed point guard monster that they had. I actually like the fit for him there because he's not a shooter, but every, there's a lot of shooting around him. Yeah. You can get away with the one guy who's not a shooter. But he is a defender. He's and, a defender. And, and, and that adds a, a nice mix. But what about else? the part that he's he's not great at creating for others? I mean, I think he can pass. Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander can pass the ball. He has passing vision. It, it's really about his, he doesn't have that elite first step. He doesn't have that burst. So the shot creation in the half court, I'm not sure he can be your only 
playmaker on the court, you need others on him, which is why, you know, having Jamal Murray alongside him, having a Gary Harris, having a Nikola Jokic, the best passing center in basketball, that's what I think is a really, really smart, good fit for him. So I like Haley's pick. Can I tell you what I think? Sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't take a point guard unless it was a sure thing anymore. There's too many point guards. Mm. I would use the draft for wings and all players that there just aren't enough of. I can get a point guard every year. I can get, like, if I'm Denver, I can just sign Shane Larkin for $5 million a year. And next year, he'll be as productive as this kid will in his first sure. year. Unless you think, unless you're drafting somebody at point that you feel like can be an all star, mm. I would just not take a point guard ever. But Trey Young just is like, an exception, right? Like, Trey Young. Trey Young's an exception. There's a chance he could be really good. He could be a transcendent shooter, potentially. potentially. So I get that. But once we start drifting into this and I'm still like in the teens, I just want, I want dudes who are unlike other guys in the league. I want wings. I would just keep, well, I would rather roll the dice with Zayar Smith he, and hope he's good. He is a little different as a wing though. It's 6'6", six, 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 with a six. near seven foot wingspan. That yep. that makes him unique as a guard. But if um, you, you said he's, he can't shoot. Well, to your point, Right, like, and, he, and he's not like explosive first step. So it's like, how am I getting offense? Out well, of and, and that's exactly why I'm bumping him down my board on the, the next update. You know, I like him a lot as a player because of his defensive ability. But you're, you're essentially saying like, yes, he's different for a guard, you know, six, six with a near seven foot wingspan. But why not draft the actual wing? That's like six, seven beefy muscular with a seven, two wingspan. I see what the ha- guard, I, right? I agree with the logic with the Haley pick. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying me personally. I just wouldn't take point guards in drafts unless I thought they could make an all-star team. I think it's too easy to just every year grab somebody. Every year they're around. You go get Dennis Schroeder probably right now. Yeah. From Atlanta. Just make you could probably offer Atlanta the 14th pick and something else and just get him instead. You know? I just think these guys are out there. I actually thought about um, Rogier was just Rogier. Be- yep. He was yeah. buried on a bench forever. Yeah, I actually thought about floating SGA as the Clippers 13th pick, but then I, I voted against it because he kind of reminds me of Michael Carter Williams mm-hmm. and Michael that's Carter Williams that. is on the cusp of, is he out of the league? Is he in the league still? Yeah, I mean, he's not good. He's What's, not, he's, he's a forgettable player. Basically it's point guard. You need to be able to shoot or get to the rim. Yeah. Is Rogier worth what pick you think? Like if, if Boston called right Denver around the said, range, yeah, I think maybe, maybe a little bit lower right around maybe where he got drafted 16th. But if Boston called Denver and said, we'll give you Rogier for 14, I think Denver does that. Oh yeah. Uh, in a heartbeat. I, I, I don't think, think so. Really? If with the guys that are on the table right now, I'd rather have Terry Rogier. You wouldn't? Um I think Denver would take the proven commodity. Would you take over, him for the clips? I would take him for thirteen. At, for 13? Yeah, I would take him. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. we we still have a Lonnie Walker on the board. You're talking about, you know, wings, right? Like a guy like Lonnie Walker, a super athlete. I th- I think you may rather have the years of that guy, whoever it might may be at fourteen over a guy who's going to be a free agent in a year is going to want a big payday. Two years. The next, no, next summer. I mean, Rosier next summer will He's be restricted. restricted though. Yeah. So it's like, you, yeah, but then you got to pay him yeah. next summer. So maybe you'd rather have the four years of the guy on a rookie contract rather than the guy who's about to be in the six, you know, he hopes 16, 17 million, maybe more like 12. I'm punting once all the all-stars are gone in the draft. But it's we know, draft but, mentality. But, you know, but we, you don't know though. Like you still have a shot. You're really high on this draft. I, we talked about this yesterday. We have. We, I don't think yeah. this is actually a very deep draft, but you think it is. I think it drops off after Miles Bridges. It does drop off around like the, the 12 or 13 ish area. There's a drop off. But then at that point of the drafts, 
if you no matter who you ask in the NBA, everybody agrees like from 15 to 40, like it's flat. Where like yeah. some people are gonna have their 15th player, another team Throwing might have darts. them 40th. Some people are gonna have their 30th player, another team might have them 20th. Right. So it's that type of draft where if you are drafting at that spot and the guy that you have ranked 10th on your board at 14, I think you'd rather have that guy that you perceive as the 10th best player over Terry Rozier. All right, here's the ringer draft. Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton. Sacramento, Luka Doncic. Atlanta, Jaron Jackson. Memphis, Marvin Bagley. Dallas, Mo Bamba. Orlando, Trey Young. Chicago, Michael Porter. Cleveland, Mikhail Bridges. New York, Colin Sexton. Philadelphia, Wendell Carter. Charlotte, Kevin Knox. Clippers, Mile Bridges. Troy Brown. And then Denver. What's the guy's name? I'm not Shane Gildas Alexander. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> six months away from being able to say it correctly. <laughs> Call him the say, hyphen guy. Just say SGA. 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 Yeah. SGA. Perfect. That's it. So what else do we have going this week? You're, we're going to be live on Thursday, right? On Wednesday as well. I think we're doing some type of podcast. We're doing a, a Tuesday draft preview podcast that will be up on Wednesday morning. Ah, On the Ringer NBA show. On the Ringer yes. NBA show. And then during the draft, we're going to be in our little chapel studio filming videos, taping podcasts, all that it's stuff. It's going to be a good ass time. Yeah. Thank I'm you, excited. Kevin O'Connor. Thank, Thank you, you, Isaac. Thank you. Thanks to all the Ringer people that, uh, that joined us for this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget about Courtside. On uh, HBO, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Back on Wednesday with another BS podcast. Until then. <laughs>